This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Wednesday. It's the 9th of September. Another day at the firm for our record-breaking Queen. Thank you so much, Queen Elizabeth. A symbol of our enduring spirit. Rock-on clergyman Bobby Ball's tips to spice up sermons. Uh, Paula says, I'm not a drugs cheat. The X Factor versus Strictly, it's a phony war. Jamie Oliver has shed two stone by eating more than he used to. As the producer cynically remarked, what do you reckon? Another book on the way? I think so. Lewis Hamilton admits he has a stylist. We both thought the same thing at the same time. Not a very good one. And Jerry almost confirms that the Spice Girls are touring next year without Vic. So they're not the Spice Girls, are they? Because the Spice Girls are all of them. And Vic said she never wants to do it ever again. Very wise. You wish the other ones would say the same thing. Uh, Victoria Beckham appears to have grown her hair back. Yesterday we were we were sort of looking at her elfin kind of look in one of those ghastly outfits that she wears, which is obviously meant for a more mature person, somebody very elderly and old. It was, certainly wasn't fashion. And, uh, and then there's a picture in the sun today of her with her hair back on again. So perhaps it was a wig. Who knows? Identical lotto wins. You won't believe that one at all. And the world's most boring couple from that snap from yesterday. Professor Green and his, uh, and his uh, whatever she is, Millie somebody. I think she just likes a bit of rough. The trouble is, he's not as rough as you think he is. And that's why he's sort of fitted in. And they did a picture of them in the bath with his feet covering her boobs. It was all a bit tacky and somebody decided to sort of follow on from it. They really are dull as anything. So dreary. So boring. Uh, Johnny Depp loves a bit of Abby. And strictly mistaken. Come around to that one later on. Anyway, I hope you're well. hope you're well and uh, had a good day yesterday. Yesterday was lovely. It really was. It was a nice day. Weather, I was... I was absolutely shattered yesterday. Because uh, we had uh, three interviews to do. So, programme, podcast, and, and then three interviews. And Richard Wilson was coming in for us at eight o'clock. Being true to form, he was really on time. He came in at 20 to 8, and I'm running around like a headless chicken trying to find somebody to record. Luckily, luckily, Chris from the travel department stepped in and said, I can do it, I can do it. I said, can you, can you? Fantastic, sir. We thought we, you know, because we don't like to hold people up. And uh, we're just about to do that. And then Michael, James O'Brien's producer, turned up because he, he'd been booked to do it, but I didn't know that. And so all was well that ended well, so that was excellent. So we did Richard Wilson on fine form. Very funny, very funny. You're going to like the interview. Well, you better, because you're going to hear it this weekend on In Conversation. And uh, what else did we have yesterday? Oh, we had uh, Nick Hewer from The Apprentice, uh, who was excellent. We're talking about Street Child with him. And then uh, Anthony Horowitz, who's got a book out. It's a Bond book. Um, and the, the old characters are in there. Bond is still up to his old tricks. And, of course, now you know that Sam Smith's going to be recording the title song. Anthony Horowitz was super. Really, really good. I was in somewhat awe of him. But uh, he, he just chatted away quite happily about all sorts of things. Do you know that in the original books, Pussy Galore was black-haired? Wasn't blonde. Was black-haired. Uh, Daniel Brackley is on Night Shift. He's now thrown himself off the top of a building, I can imagine. Oh, God. He says, counting down to the 4am spike and the onslaught of Z-list celebrities. <laughs> and Mary Russell says, LBC, I'm never going to sleep tonight because Steve Allen is covering the topic too. Is that the, is that the Queen or is that the uh, the Snow White thing? I have various, uh, various theories about the Snow White because they are dwarfs. They are, well, they aren't. That's the, that's the thing. These are children. But if you watch The Wizard of Oz, you will discover they didn't have enough dwarfs then. And so they used children. 
for a lot of it. And a lot of pantos. In fact, I do remember in the dim recesses of my mind, a panto years ago, and they said... Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs with seven real dwarfs. Because what a lot of panto companies do is they dress children up to be like dwarfs. Well, they're not. The whole thing is that people want to see dwarfs because they're very popular. But when you've got a Star Wars film being made, when there was, there was a Harry Potter film being made, and when there was pantomime, there was a world shortage of dwarfs. They couldn't find enough. Could not find enough. And Warwick Davis, quite rightly, is a little bit peeved off. Those people who stick their noses in and go, oh, I mean, this is apparently somebody from the theatre. Oh, you know, I don't think people want to see things like that. Well, what are you doing Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs for then? Because, you know, have you made up your own story so it's nothing to do with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? I don't think you're allowed to just change it. You can't just go Snow White and her seven friends. Makes it sound like she's making a porno film or something. Goodness sake, honestly, it's dreadful. Dreadful. No, it's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. If you don't have enough dwarfs, some of them could only afford two. Because dwarves put the prices up at Christmas. <laughs> I love things like that. It's such a stupid story, isn't it? It's so stupid and it's so annoying when you think, who are these PC people who think they're talking for somebody else? Remember we had a while ago the, uh, the story of the gollies? And a black guy who said, who are these people who are telling me that I'm offended by it? He said, I'm not offended by it. He said, it's the only thing I've ever had that's sort of, uh, you know, a jolly thing with a big smile on his face. He said, it was the only thing growing up that reflected who I was. He said, who are these middle class people? Tell them to sort of, you know, tell them to mind their own blooming business. Actually, just going back briefly, I would have thought that, you know, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, I thought it's trademarked to Disney. You can't just change it. You know, if they're keeping the same story, then I think they could be in serious trouble with, with Disney. Disney, don't don't mess about with this kind of stuff. What do you mean, Snow White and her seven friends? She's our character, not your character. You better be very careful. It's a much, much respected theatre, isn't it? Much respected theatre. But I don't know, really, that they should, um, that they should be changing it to Snow White and her seven friends. Makes it sound like she works at social services, doesn't it, really? <laughs> and uh, Joey says, uh, Obviously, somebody was talking about it. Mary needs to realise that even if Snow White is never performed again, people will still make fun of her. Oh, I don't know. I thought she was... I mean, she was a bit of a simpleton, wasn't she, Snow White? La, 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 la. And then she's, you know, she's there making, you know, cakes and doing all the rest of it, looking after these little people who were all sitting there, like, with their tongues on the floor, going, cool. Never seen anything like her before. I loved it. I thought it was great. Great film. Uh, Scott the cabbie. Uh, yes, he is. He is actually taking a back seat at the moment. You'll have to work that one out for yourselves. And uh, Tony says, just to let everybody know, the M1 has an accident right by the services at Toddington. It's at a standstill, as far as the eye can see. Two lorries and a few cars, London bound. Just to cheer your morning up. Um, are you saying dwarves are in short supply? It's an old gag. It's an old gag. But they are dwarves. You know, they're not, they're not midgets. They're dwarves. But in this particular panto, they're children. But they say so they've decided to change it. They think that people are offended by, by the word dwarf. Well, well, they're not. They're absolutely not. Dwarves are absolutely really fed up with the old thing. And so uh, short shrift. They said to avoid offending dwarves. I mean, who is this prat behind this? Who is it? And it's name and shame. Who's the idiot down there? Who is the idiot? Warwick Davis says, I find it patronising when people are offended on our behalf. He says, as a short actor, I want the choice about whether I appear in panto or not. I don't want somebody deciding for me. It loses something without the dwarves. I've been in lots of pantos, and I don't think it's offensive at all. He thinks it's a smokescreen to cut costs. 
He said, Panto profit margins are not very big. It's cheaper to involve children than pay actors. Yeah, lots of people do. Lots of people do. It's PC gone mad. You can't rebrand a children's classic. Venue chief Anthony Flint insisted, we're more in line with the original Grimm Brothers tale than Disney's. Oh, go away, you silly little man. A similar farce saw a bonny baby context axed in devises amid fears it was unfair to judge Tot's looks. Oh, God, we've gone quite mad, haven't we? Quite balmy bonkers all the way round the country. You know, we've got, oh, no, we can't say things that's going to offend somebody. Well, who? It's going to offend dwarfs. No, dwarfs have said they're not offended by this. Why would they be offended? It's been Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. It's the only time they actually get their name in a title. Unless, of course, you've been watching other channels. Uh, Then, Jihadic Coming. It's a great play on words. I couldn't give a forex that these people are dead. More people get killed who are a threat to this country. Couldn't care less where they go. And now they're saying their parents could be in line for a payout. One of them said, um, (coughs) we could have brought him back to the country and de-radicalised him. Yeah, and I'm Popeye the Sailor Man as well. No, they're dead. Thank God for that. One of the dads of uh, of the ISIS Brits has backed the drone strike. The PM has signed off four more kill orders. Because there's a list of people. They want Jihadi John. We'll not be happy until Jihadi John has been blown up. And uh, and then we can have a big party and celebrate. So more of these stupid... Radicalisation? It's called not quite well in the head department. You know, they're not clever. They're not big. They're just stupid. And now they're dead stupid. So uh, the more of them, the merrier. They can do what they like. They can go and live abroad. They can do anything they want. I couldn't care less. But uh, if the drone gets them, the drone gets them. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. Oh, it's a little chesty, chesty cough this morning. No, I've got water. I've got everything here. They they had a bit of a mistake downstairs, and they ended up with sport bottles of water. I mean, how trendy am I now? This is normally just. This is so exciting. Look, it's so exciting. It's got a lid on it. I've never had a lid. You have to buy these in the shops, and it. I get these for free. I tell you, I'm I'm so easily pleased. I tell you, every somebody said to me. How, how grateful are you for this job? And, you know, I don't like conversations when they start like that because it, it always gets me into trouble at some point. And so I go, well, quite grateful. Yeah. Uh, it's like, you know, when I went into the boss, I said, how do I stand for an increase? He said, well, you kneel to start with. And uh, so he tried that one. And I said, well, I'm, I'm very grateful. I said to Richard Wilson, because he said, hey, we didn't do the I don't believe it bit, so don't expect that in the interview. We managed to get through the whole interview without mentioning the programme, which I thought was, which was very brave of me and very good of me. And he said, what time do you get up in the morning? And I said, well, actually, I get up about one o'clock. He's good Lord. One o'clock in the morning. And Anthony Horowitz said, what time do you get up? And I said, well, early. I said, I'm in here by three o'clock in the morning. And he was terribly impressed. But then this is a man who seems to just throw himself into his work. He commits himself to everything. And he's been terribly successful. But his kids call him by his first name. Now, I, was, I, I would never call my father, never would have called my father by his first name. But uh, Anthony says, my kids call me Tone. He said, and I can sit there at that age where you can have conversations with them. And I said, oh, I don't think my my father would have liked if I've called him by his first name. (laughs) Just doesn't sound very respectful, does it? But uh, really good interviews, and you'll hear them this week for In Conversation, which is Sunday morning. And you can hear that again Sunday evening. And there will be a video of only one. Because Richard was in so early, we didn't video the 
uh, in conversation because we were in a different studio and it doesn't quite work as well in here. But uh, Anthony Horowitz we've got. And you could see just how very smart, very, very smart. I looked really like a sack of potatoes yesterday. But at least we managed to get through it. That's all you can hope for, isn't it? Anyway, welcome to LBC. If you've just joined us, I'm Steve Allen. It's early breakfast. It's quarter past four. BC. Nick Ferrari at seven this morning as Queen Elizabeth II becomes our longest reigning monarch. What does Her Majesty mean to you? They'll be putting two Labour leadership candidates under the microscope and Chief Inspector of Schools, Sir Michael Wilshaw, will take your calls. That's Nick and the team from seven after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. The Royal Commentator, Phil Dampier, will be in to look at the papers. Actually, in one of their guests, um, you know who she is because I told you about her book and it's Margaret Rhodes. Margaret Rhodes um, is a cousin of the Queen. She wrote a book about the Queen Mother. She was there when the Queen Mother died. And Margaret Rhodes did her, I think the book's called The Final Curtsy. And she did her deepest curtsy when the Queen Mother died. The Queen Mother had been taken ill and they knew that the end was not far away. And Margaret wrote a fascinating book about her relationship with the Queen Mother and the Queen. And I've always thought, what an interesting person. So she's, she's going to be with Nick this morning. She's the first cousin of uh, Elizabeth I and the niece of Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother. But she wrote the book about the Queen Mother. Fascinating, fascinating book, really is. I think it's, I'm sure it's called The Final Curtsy. Uh, Dean in Swanley says, I'm starting a new cleaning job in a school and have to leave at five. I'll catch you at the weekends. That's all right. I'm here on Saturday as well now. You can catch me between five and seven on a Saturday. They've released that woman in America. You know, the one who didn't want to marry gay couples. And she's come outside. She looks slightly odd, slightly cracked. And she's surrounded by supporters going, oh, we love you, and holding up crucifixes and all the rest of it. She's just a bigot. And America's full of them. Uh, But they're going to monitor very closely her to find out, you know, whether she comes up with anything else like this. Uh, She was uh, incarcerated for a little while and she came out and she sort of did the whole, I'm so grateful to be outside. And I'm thinking I'd be so grateful if you were back inside. And uh, various other people were there as well. This is this is middle America. This is the uh, the rampant homophobia. This is the uh, this is the rampant. They probably don't like anything at all, actually, if truth be known, under the guise of, you know, I'm not marrying people because it's against my religion. I don't believe it ever says that. Does it ever say that in the Bible? I suppose you can make your own interpretations, can't you? Uh, So imagine, there's Mary, a a black Snow White. A black Snow White. See, would it be possible to have a black Snow White? I mean, it would be possible to have anything, wouldn't it? It's just a name, isn't it? Well, the the clue is in Snow White. Unless you could rename her. Perhaps she could be Chinese. Perhaps she could be one-legged. Wheelchair? No, just thinking out of the box. Usual sort of thing. I'm just thinking, I mean, could she be gay? <laughs> she could be. I mean, I, to be honest with you, I think the dwarves are running a bit of a club down there. I think, you know, I think they've got their own agenda going on. Grumpy, sleepy, sneezy, dopey. We all know what he's doing in his spare time. And so, I mean, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, when you talk about it? But, but because they've, they've done it, what they've done is they've, they've effectively changed a story, which I don't think they're allowed to. I don't think they're allowed to. I think Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I don't know whether it was the the Brothers Grimm before uh, they got their hands on it down at Disney. Um, but either way, it's dwarves. That's the whole idea about it. You can't just have her seven friends. That just, that's just just stupid. That's sort of educating children the wrong way. Everybody, I was delighted uh, to report to you this morning that when I was talking about the, uh, the daughter of the uh, mother with six children... Who, uh, who looked a bit like a battle axe. And she was in the papers yesterday because the daughter had the stupidest haircut you've ever seen. 13 years old 
And effectively, everybody said exactly the same as I said yesterday, which is quite good, so I'm, I'm quite pleased about that, which is that the mother is really instilling the wrong thing in her daughter. Now the daughter's going to be an argumentative little so-and-so at school, because it's like mother, like daughter. And you can imagine, they, they've got, you know, a lot of, lot of issues going on, a lot of issues going on. And uh, she said, you know, well, she's not going to change it. And you go, OK, fine, fine, it doesn't really matter, I'm not, not too, too bothered about that. But uh, but you will. You will change it. Uh, 8485. What have I done here? Oh, God. Do you know, every day, there's always something I do with this computer, and every day I manage to sort of rechange it back before my own very eyes. Um, apparently, Cheryl Spagbowl is the biggest-selling British female solo artist of all time. No, she's not. It's so stupid, honestly. Nothing worse than thick people at this time of the morning. I can, I can, I can only cope with people who are in the real world, not those on medication. And her former band, Girls Aloud, was pretty popular. Yeah, that's why they're not going together now, isn't it? That's why there's no chance of getting back together. She's certainly not the biggest-selling British solo artist. Not by a mile. And also, I'm sorry, you've got her down as a singer. She's not a singer. We've heard her. She's a mimer. She's a mimer. That's what she does. She mimes. Uh, 84850. <laughs> and Phil says, you say there's a shortage of dwarf actors. Not politically correct. You should instead say there is a numerically challenged amount of height-challenged actors. But they're not height-challenged. They don't think they're height-challenged. In fact, if you remember, and he spoke about it for In Conversation, uh, Warwick Davis came in and they took um, uh, a farce around the country with a small set and all dwarf actors. And apparently it brought the house down when they all stood on each other's shoulders. Um, and it was, it was very good and very popular. And also children love. They're fascinated fascinated by dwarfs. I don't see why you should all sort of start start changing things around now. You just can't do it. What about Red Dwarf on the television? What's that going to be? Red and a friend. Doesn't make any sense, does it? Doesn't even sound right. Poor old Paula Radcliffe, says Mike, has followed Mo Farah having the finger of guilt pointed at her. Break... Oh, sorry. Uh, breaking the... Uh, the... Uh, the monarch longevity record today. I think Her Majesty should be tested. So I'm sure she hasn't cheated either. Do you think it's great? I'm so pleased we've got Her Majesty on the throne. I don't think anybody else would have survived. I'm pretty certain. I don't. I just don't think anybody else would have done as well as the Queen. She's been there through thick and through thin and, well, ma- mainly thick. And, uh, and she's emerged the other side. Philip is still there. He looks like he, there's no sign of him slowing down, is there? No sign of him slowing down at all. And I think he's hilarious. I couldn't care less that he's a bit rude on occasion. I think when you get to 90-something, you're entitled to do just about what you fancy doing. You've earned that right. You've earned that right. And obviously, it's good. Somebody said to me once, oh, you get yourself so het up on the programme. I said, well, actually, I don't really. But in, in sort of another way, I do. And the reason I do is because it gets the blood pumping around your body. And if the blood's pumping around your body, you're alive. And I think on that as a bonus... Although I went home yesterday and I left here. What time did I leave here yesterday? Probably about uh, quarter to twelve, half past eleven, quarter to twelve. Because there were so many interesting people to talk to in the office. And I'm, I'm sometimes loath to tear myself away. I have to remember. Listen, you've got to get home. And by the time you've got to get home, then you've got to sort of have something to eat. Then you've got to get ready for bed. And I was in bed last night, made, you know, made, made my phone calls, did all the usual things I was supposed to do. And I was having actually a really nice day. A really nice day. And the weather was good. I always go into Marks and Spencers and they always say to me in there, oh, you must be hating this weather, Mr. Allen, because they know I hate sunshine. And I go, yep, I absolutely hate this weather. Can't wait for it to rain. Um, Idea to save the X Factor, says Tony. Perhaps they could firstly shorten the length of run for almost half the year, then have a battle of the singer bands where they show their talent by playing instruments, original song and songwriting talent. Maybe throw in the odd celeb that has shown their talents uh, to to guide them, which could be... Yeah, I mean, I, I like the idea... 
because most of them don't, they don't have anything. I mean, there was a band on there the other day, a girl band, Alien or something. Well, just a bunch of freaks standing on a stage. And they go, oh, yeah, because we're, we're, we're going to be Alien and we're going to really sort of... We're, we're sort of not, not the pretty li- little girly miming bands that you're used to seeing. We're going to get out there and show them what it's like. And I thought, well, you're not really. You're going to do what the record company tell you. That's the whole idea. You want to win this competition. They're all signed up to Psycho, just in case anybody wants to slip through the net. They can't. And, um, and they, they tell you what to do. They pick your songs. No good you going there and saying, uh, we've got these songs, we'd like to record those. Uh, no, we'll, we'll go with what we want. Thank you very much indeed. You know, everybody's manipulated in the business. It, it, it's, it would be roughly akin to having a radio presenter being told what to say, which, which wouldn't happen, because otherwise that wouldn't make you an individual. You'd just be the same as everybody else. You'd just be churning it all out. So it doesn't work like that. What you have to do is you've got to be individual. You can go through the papers. You can find stories in there. We all think exactly the same about the stories. We all think exactly the same. I don't think anybody this morning, unless you're really hard-hearted about it, begrudges the Queen anything at all. I mean, at 5.30 today, after 63 years and 216 days, she becomes the longest-serving monarch. And she's, she's still there. She's still doing it. She's still the reigning champion. She's still the person giving her all, because to her, it's a job for life. It doesn't matter whether or not you think that the relationship between her and Prince Philip isn't what it was, because it isn't. His job is there to walk behind her. He certainly never walks in front of her. He walks behind her. It's his job to support her in the job which she said she would take on till she dies, and that's what she will do. Poor old Charles, I don't think he stands a looking on this. Not looking. I mean, she's, she shows no sign of slowing down at all. She's really, you know, quite an amazing person. Quite an amazing person. She's got lots of uh, pictures in her room and they've analysed all the pictures with the official picture that's been released. So what does she have in the room? You know, what does she have uh, in her handbag? Every woman has the same in the handbag. Packet of peppermints or some chewing gum. Used to be a penny for the toilet. Do you remember, ladies? A penny where you'd have to put it in the slot. An emery board and a bit of lippy. And probably a bit of powder as well. Probably one of those, those compact. Most women have got that. Oh, and a hanky. But sometimes you tuck that up your sleeve, don't you? You see? I know what you ladies do. You don't frighten me. I've been there. <laughs> well, not with the hanky up the sleeve, but I always thought it was a brilliant idea. Uh, yes, the book is called The Final Courtesy. Uh, Margaret Rhodes was with the Queen Mother when she died. I think what she'd done is she'd, she'd gone out of the room. They knew that the Queen Mother was um, was dying, and it was really a matter of, you know sort of certainly minutes as opposed to days, weeks, months or years. And she went out of the room, came back in, and I think she died. So she did her her final curtsy. Uh, So proud of the Queen, says Noreen, being the longest reigning British monarch. And yes, love Prince Philip. See, I'm, I'm not one of these people that knocks Prince Philip. I think, you know, for a man of his age, he can say what he... It doesn't matter what he says. He comes from a different generation. You just have to put it down to the fact that that's that's what he says. You know, it's, I mean, he does sometimes stick his feet in it, but then he probably isn't PC. Why would he ever have to worry about being PC? It's Prince Philip, he's married to the Queen, for God's sake. There are certain people, I mean, there is a lovely bit in one of the papers where they've looked at the Queen's reign and some of the highlights and some of the low lights. And one of the low lights, of course, was poor old Prince Edward and his It's a Royal Knockout. Yes, It's a Royal Knockout was a complete and unmitigated PR disaster. And I'll tell you about that in a moment, because it's 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to five. Daniel Brackley is very excited. Very excited. Best notification on Twitter ever, followed back by at Steve Allen Show. 
Don't get any better than that, does it? Let's face it, goodness sake. And at this time of the morning, where we're all sort of, you know, going, what day is it? Oh, it's Wednesday. It's whizzing through. You know, I tell you, 9th of September, the Christmas stuff arrives. In fact, it started arriving in Costco already. The Christmas stuff, because by the time we've got rid of uh, my my uh, my pots on the wall are looking a bit sad at the moment. I'm clinging on for grim death. But uh, I think they're going to have to go to the uh, the happy hunting ground in the sky, which is where all plants go to nowadays. Uh, more on the rapper. This is Professor Green. This is the one who's covered in tattoos. But his, his wife is Millie McIntosh. Uh, both got books out. Both been in rehab. You know, been, they've been in sort of therapy to save their marriage. They're 31. I mean, quite clearly a pair of idiots. And so dull and boring. Who gives a forex about what Professor Green does? No no street cred. She's got no credibility at all. She was barely standing up at the V Festival. A bit of an embarrassment. He hasn't drunk for ages because he's had his issues, as you can imagine. He also hasn't had a cigarette in 14 weeks. I've also stopped drinking caffeine. I haven't even had a crisp, he said. God, dear. And you think you've got street cred. Ugh. So rock and roll, honestly. So rock and roll. And he says, you know, all this thing about posh. If posh is money, he said, I'm posher than she is because I earn more money. <gasps> That'll go down well. Be back into rehab again very shortly. She won't like that. Theresa says, uh, Prince Philip's hilarious. I like the old devil. Mm. Patrick is not sure about the BBC One show. The format's very confusing. There's nothing to matter with the format, Patrick. It's the presenters. The presenters, they have no, they have no cohesion. They have no gel... They have no likability. The poor old uh, Welsh girl that they've got on there, very sweet though she is, I mean, she just hasn't got the faintest idea. They've tried her on everything. I mean, the next thing, I suppose, will be when they shove her on an antiques programme, which will be about her level. Uh, picture of Victoria Beckham. It must be an old picture in the sun today. Um, wearing a pink trouser suit. Well, as we all know, she's more skeletal than poor old Cheryl Spackbowl. And so here is... Uh, they, 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 they now call her designer posh. They don't really know her as this in America, but she's wearing long hair again. Well, we only had a picture yesterday in the sun of her coming out of a salon with short hair. What's going on? Somebody's got the... She wore it at New York's JFK airport after a flight from London. But, of course, she always wears her big dark glasses. And they always get a picture taken of her. Because if you see her without them, at 41, the eyes have started going. And that's, that's the giveaway. Here's poor old Lewis Hamilton. And uh, here he is wearing another one of those ridiculous outfits. And and he does admit, he does admit that he's uh, that he's got a stylist. I mean, I can only assume the stylist is having the joke of the century. What can we make him wear today? You've seen some of the outfits. Now he's bleached his hair blonde. It's just, it's slightly peculiar, isn't it? Slightly peculiar. Well, I think so, anyway. Sam Smith lied through his teeth. Yes, everybody was criticising him the other day. You know, you did an interview with me and you lied. I think there was one poor old has-been on Radio Defunct. And they uh, and they were saying, oh yes, you lied to so and so, so and so. And I remember thinking, well, he's not. He can't tell you that he's doing it because it's supposed to be a secret. It's supposed to be a secret. If you, if you've got a secret and you're doing an interview on the radio, I mean, I asked somebody the other day, one of my guests coming in about something, and they said, I can't tell you about it. I'm doing something, but I can't tell you what it is. It's Nick Hewer. I'll tell you that now. And he does say on, on the interview, he says, I, I can't tell you what it is because it's in the early stages and nothing's, nothing's confirmed up. I, I suspect he's doing it with... Um, who's that comedian who did a programme on the television with his father? Jack... Jack Watsit. Jack Whitehall. He was going for lunch with Jack Whitehall's dad yesterday. And they were going to a fairly posh place and he looked very, very smart. He always, Nick always looks smart. Every time I've interviewed him, he always looks smart. He always remembers who he's spoken to. 
Actually, I seem to get that a lot the other day. Because, you know, normally, when you're doing interviews, listen, listen very carefully to interviews that people do. And if the person who's being interviewed remembers the interviewer's name, that's almost a plus point. And so I got it with Richard Wilson yesterday. He was going, well, Steve. And you think, oh, well, at least he's remembered. That's good. He's, he's coming up to 80 Richard Wilson, and everybody was very excited to see him. My friend Jez wanted him to wave at him, and so I had to do that, but and everything else. And uh, Nick Hewitt came and said, Steve, nice to see you again. And uh, and even Anthony Horowitz, you know, they remember your name through the interview, which means that you've had some sort of impact on them. But really, really good interviews, really good interviews. So you're going to get Richard Wilson, Anthony Horowitz this weekend. Uh, I'm pleased that you all like Prince Philip. I don't, I don't think it matters that, that sometimes he, uh, he sort of gets it wrong. He's 90, 92, 93. You know, that's, it's, it's all, you know, it's ridiculous. Uh, why do we have to keep explaining why we killed two ISIS? Do they hold questions and answers when they do things, says Wayne? That time all these do-gooders disappeared. Oh, I'm delighted they're dead. You won't find anybody more delighted than me and the government. I'm, ju- I'm just amazed at the power of these drones. Once we've killed Jihadi John, this is the one who was beheaded on video, and they did another one the other day, seven people. So I think now eight people. These people are sick. They're sick. I couldn't care less, but they're blown up. I'm not interested in their families. I'm really not interested. I'm sick to death of apologetic parents who sit there going, well, you know, I'm sure that, that we could have re-radicalised them. No, you couldn't. You didn't even know what they were doing. How do you think you could re-radicalise them? You know, the very idea these people could be in for compensation. I think the entire country would be up in arms over that one. Compensation? What, for murderers? I don't think so. I don't think so. Not in my day. Please not. Uh, big congrats to the uh, the Queen. For 63, says Alan, all this twaddle about not being able to use the word dwarf really winds me up. So much PC nowadays. Does that mean that in Lord of the Rings there are elves, men, hobbits and friends? Well, I'm not sure about elves. I'm not sure about elves. Do they have dwarves in The Hobbit? It's, well, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves is fiction as well. What do you think? She, she never existed. She never went down to that forest and hunted out seven men who used to go mining deep underground with little lamps and sing hi-ho. I mean, it's about really like short actors, yeah. They are men who live in mountains. They are men. They are men. They, they all walk around and they sing songs. Hi-ho, hi-ho. They've all grown beards and they've all got little noddy hats on. Don't knock the dwarfs industry. I tell you, there's, there's loads of them out. They've been really upset this morning. I mean, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure about elves. I'm also not totally convinced that fairies are going to be allowed very shortly. I think I'd have to put a ban on that. I mean, Peter Pan, whose best friend was a fairy, I don't think you can say that. I think that's an insult to Tinkerbell. We've never questioned Tinkerbell's sexuality, and I don't think we should start now. OK? Fairy. You know, you can't say that to people. Cannot say that. There was a very famous uh, ballet dancer uh, walking down the street in New York, and uh, he was always very elegantly dressed. And uh, and he used to wear, you know, a lovely double-breasted suit and everything else. And he used to carry a, a, a cane with a silver top on it. And he's walking down the street and a big butch worker from one of the building, shi- shi- uh, building sites shouts out, Oi! Fairy! And this ballet dancer turns round, picks up his cane, waves it at the man and goes, Vanish! <laughs> no answer at all. No answer. So I'm not sure about elves, men, hobbits and friends... Yeah. Big congrats to the Queen, though. 63 years, seven months, been through a lot, and uh, even playing an active part in the war. I think she's done us proud. I don't think anybody could ever knock what that woman has done. She's devoted her life to it. She's had to put up with everything. You know, I shouldn't imagine that she was the biggest fan of Diana, but she does it. I mean, she's got a lot of wayward children. 
you know, Prince Andrew, for example, really needs, you know, they should have slapped him on the back of the legs a long time ago. Prince Edward, who's had more tantrums than you can shake a stick at. Charles, I don't like that man. And all that kind of stuff. It's, you know, she's had to contend with a lot of it. And I think, but over and above, she's, she's the queen. And we should be immensely proud. Look at other places. They come over here to see to see the, the places that they live in. And, you know, if you actually get the opportunity of seeing the Queen, I think that's really exciting. I would be excited. If somebody said the Queen was coming round, you know, LBC, I'd be the first one in the queue. I'd be the first one with a little cat. Hello. Good morning. Hello. Would you like to do my In Conversation programme? <laughs> I mean, it never happened, but it would be it would be lovely. You'd like to sit down and asking, you know, all those questions. I don't know what would be the first question. Has it, been, has it been a good year for you this year? You know, do you have the aches and pains that uh, that the rest of us get? How do you keep so healthy? What are you eating? Or not eating, as the case may be. <laughs> Ian says, there's a photo of Prince Philip in guard's uniform making the Queen laugh as she passes him. Love to know what he said to her. Morning, darling. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what conversations they have. I really don't know. I've got no idea. I told you, I, I interviewed a, a lady, a very famous lady, because the royal family... The Queen and Prince Philip have private dinners. I think they do them once. They used to do them once a month at Buckingham Palace, where they would go through the papers and they would find somebody, like say Bear Grylls, and then the palace would approach and say, "The Queen is having a private dinner, and I think there's generally about forty people, and she'd like to know if you'd like to go." And so people go. And this particular lady said to me, "She said uh, we we go to Buckingham Palace for this private. I think it was a. I'm sure it was a dinner." She said, "And I got sat next to Prince Philip." She said, and he leant over halfway through the meal, and he said, and we've got spotted dick for pudding. <laughs> she said it was just the funniest thing, because they obviously, they're, they're not, I mean, he's probably never had eaten mess. He's probably never known the delights of opening a tin of ice-cold custard and just eating from the tin. He's probably never known the delights of a party barrel of Kentucky. He wouldn't even know what Kentucky Fried Chicken was. They're so far removed that when Earl Mountbatten was done for This Is Your Life and Eamon stood there with the big red book and said, Earl Mountbatten of Burma, KFC, FGHY, you know, this is your life. And he, and he looked around and went, what, what is this? What, what, what is it? He didn't have the faintest idea. Never seen the programme. Man, I would have thought that if somebody had said that to me. A friend of mine was actually done on it and I was on the, I was on the telly. It's all very exciting. All very exciting. It's never likely to happen to me because I'm not one of them, because I'm not a celebrity. Did I mention I've got a book? I can't remember if I mentioned I've got a book, actually. I probably haven't mentioned it before. But I've got one, and it's called So You Want to Be a Celebrity. And it's a pocketbook. You can dip in and out, as they say. We like people dipping in and out on this uh, on this programme. Uh, you can send us a, a text and an email, 84850 uk, And uh, we put everything in on the programme. Well, as much as we can. I try and put as much uh, in on the programme. Apparently, Catherine says, Sophie Edwards... Uh, Mrs. is coming to Qatar for a business lunch next month and uh, my hubby and I are going. I like her. She works hard and isn't publicity seeking like B and huge. Oh, bear those children. Ghastly. Well, you know that Sophie used to work uh, for us here at LBC. Oh, yes. So Sophie Wessex as was. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I've got a picture of me and her. I've got a picture of me and her. She used to work when we were uh, called another radio. So we were still LBC, but we were called something else, London Talkback Radio. And she worked in the publicity department. There you go, you see? My claim to fame. It's not that exciting, is it? Quarter to five is the time. This, Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Twelve minutes to five. It's Wednesday, the 9th of September. I've got a lazy day today. I like lazy days. All I've got to do is go to DHL, collect the shirts... 
go back home, try and remember which ones I bought. I've got no idea on these things. I tweeted yesterday, it's always a big surprise when the package arrives. You look at it and you think, what did I order? <laughs> I know I've tried to find some in red. I've tried to find some red shirts, and I think I might have found a, a red shirt. But if I look through my wardrobe, which surprisingly I do, blue seems to be the dominant colour. You know, if you open your wardrobe doors, just, I mean, you could do it now, not if you're driving, quite clearly. But, you know, just open the wardrobe doors. What's the colour that throws itself out of you? In my case, blue. I don't have anything that's, you know, I do have other colours, but blue seems to be the main thing. Perhaps I need to change my, my colour. Perhaps I need to go for green. Perhaps I could be a green person. If I lived in Whitstable, I'd be green. I was talking to my friend the other day, Mr Osborne, who uh, who comes up from Whitstable every day, and I said, there's something about it. I don't know why. I think Whitstable's romantic. I don't know why. Mike Osborne looked at me like I was mad. Every time I wear a Hawaiian shirt, he starts singing the theme for Hawaii Five O. He starts going, do, 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 <laughs> Of course, I start doing it as well, like I could ever go on one of those boards. I don't think I could manage it, actually. I've, I've watched people doing it before, and I think it's something that's now escaped me. I think I'm wait. There are certain things you cannot do when you're old, and that's one of them. The other one is, and Kelvin McKenzie fell foul of it. He turned up at his club the other day. He's 68. I mean, he's, he's borderline crossing over to the other side. And what was he wearing? Hugo Boss trainers. And the doorman looked at him and went, I don't think so. He said, what are they? And apparently Kelvin McKenzie went, expensive. <laughs> a bit like a divorcee, Kelvin. And, and so I was looking at him thinking, there are certain things you cannot wear when you get to a certain age. And in the case of Kelvin McKenzie, trainers would be top of the list. You can't wear trainers. Young people wear trainers. When we get to our age, you know, the 39 pluses, we have to wear shoes. You have to effectively change your wardrobe. You start buying things a bit more sensible. You start looking at vests. You know, and best you can tuck into your pants and stuff like that. You don't, uh, you don't sort of worry about, you know, trainers. And he was wearing trainers. I think you're 68. You're way too old. A bit like seeing Prince Philip in a pair of trainers. Well, I don't know. He might. Do you know? I have a sneaking feeling we've got a picture of Prince Philip in a pair of trainers somewhere. But they aren't. They aren't for for people our ages. They're for they're for younger people. Jenny and Mitchum says there is a fairy in the garden. I think you can probably call the police on that one. Oh, this is one that lights up. It's on solar power. I think I've seen them. I think I've seen it. I love watching these shopping channels. It becomes my my guilty pleasure when I sit down and listen to to the way they describe things. What was they they were selling the other day? Oh, it was a Dyson fan that gave hot air and cold air. And it was ergonomically designed and it was this. And you know the brand. Everybody knows the brand of Dyson. And it was the fact I was looking at it and the price was £392. And I kept thinking, oh, for a fan that blows hot air, 392 quid. And they said, but this one here, and they showed you another one, gets very dirty. I thought, well, then I'd just buy another one. I've got fans, you know, when they get dirty. If I can't be bothered to clean them, I chuck them out and I buy another one. They're cheap enough to do with that nowadays. But I, I love watching, but it's the jewellery. It's the jewellery channels that get me every single time. They have these poor creatures sitting there. I mean, oh, there was one bloke on there the other day. Seriously, they should not allow him back on. He does roulette as well. It's not our Australian friend. This is another one. And his fingers were so bad. There was so... I mean, he needed a good manicure. There were bits of skin hanging off. I've seriously never seen such bad nails when you're demonstrating jewellery. It was awful. It's bad enough for the, for the bimbo types that they've got on there because they've all got false nails on. And you can see some of them, they're so badly done and they look cheap and they haven't... You know, if you're doing high-definition television, you should look immaculate, but they sit there lying through their teeth about this jewellery. This is the most, you know, sought-after gem in the world. Twenty nine ninety nine. 
You know, it starts off as 1,900, and by the time they brought it down, it's 68 pounds. And you think, because, and she goes, this is so highly sought of. You know, if I hear somebody else flogging tatty old Tanzanite, I think I'll throw the telly out the window. It's ridiculous. The rubbish they sell. The rubbish they sell. And when they're, bearing in mind, when they're selling it for 30 quid, you can imagine what the markup is, can't you? And one bimbo the other day, lying through her teeth. Oh, jewellery shops always work on 400% markup. We work on a much smaller. Oh, stop lying. Stop lying. These people can't back anything up. They just sort of do a sweeping generalisation. You're supposed to accept it. But it's when they sort of look... I mean, the other one the other day, somebody crossed at the back of the set. And she had, and she had a, like a two and a half minute conversation with her. I was, I was going, hello. We're out here in television land. You know, have you got any manners? Do you know how to present? Quite clearly not. This is the best you're going to get. It's really quite dreadful. Quite dreadful, but fascinating at the same time. And now there's another one. Now there's another one, which is a crafting channel. Have you seen the crafters? These are people who make their own cards. They make their own Christmas cards. They make their own birthday cards. They do foil, hot foil. They do glitter. They do they do all sorts of things. Either way, it's cheaper to go and buy cards than it is to make them. I realise that there are probably some of you listening at the moment who are, who are probably into crafting and into making cards. And that's fine if that floats your boat. But to be, I'm, I'm purely geared to the cost. Yeah, these people spend ages, like half an hour to make a card. And all somebody's going to do the other end is just open it up and go, oh, look, card from Steve. And, and that's it. You think, I've sweated half an hour over this card. Do you realise I've got glitter in places? I shouldn't have glitter. That's the worst thing about the glitter that they put on cards. You know, we had to put a ban on cards arriving in for me at Christmas because I do do extraordinarily well for Christmas cards. And, um, and some people seem to think it's hilarious to open up a card and discover half a ton of glitter falling out. I had it everywhere the other year. And also, the worst thing is that you, whichever way you touch the card, you cannot avoid the glitter. And I touched it and then I stupidly touched my, my eyelid. I don't know why I touched it. Don't ask me why. I'm having one of those days. And so I touched my eyelid. And um, and the next thing, as you're walking down the street, you can see people looking at you in that kind of strange way. And it's because, it's, as, I, as I moved my head, the glitter reflected. I, look, I was my own disco ball, only on my eye. It was, it was a little bit tragic. So you get in, you try and wash it off. Because it's so fine, you can't. I mean, sometimes I thought, where did that glitter come from? And it's generally cards. So there is a ban now on cards with glitter. If, if we open the envelope and there's even the hint of glitter, even the hint of glitter, it has to go into another department. <laughs> I, can't, I can't deal with it. I try and be nice about it. I try and go, thank you, because I do love Christmas cards. I'm, you know, to me, a, a typical Christmas card would be just something with snow on it. You know, I like I like all sorts of things, but the snow Christmas cards. And I, and you might be thinking, Steve, it's September. It's 9th of September. Why are you talking about Christmas cards? Because I found the other day a box of last year's Christmas cards that I hadn't used them all up. And some of them have got carol singers standing in a, in a little village with snow. And then there's snow on the hills. And then there's another one of a robin sitting on a garden gate with snow on it. And it just, it takes you back to a time in your life when when you thought everything was wonderful, where, where Christmas, you finished school and you got home, you had about a, a week before Christmas arrived, and there was always something to do. Your mum was baking in the kitchen, and you know, there were just all sorts of nice things. There were smells. 
And, uh, well, we couldn't help that. That was Mother again. Uh, but we all these nice things that go with Christmas. You know, she used to make the Christmas cake. Then she'd ice it near a Christmas, and out would come the snowman, two little fir trees, and some kids on a sledge. Same things every year. Lots of mums had those boxes. Your mum probably did it, and your mum's mum probably did it before, because people didn't buy things. Now, you can go out and, and buy these stuff. You can buy all these little things to put on the top of the cakes. In fact, you can go and buy the cakes now. They make some really, really good cakes. I'm very jealous of these people who can make cakes, people who can put things together. And you think, oh, that's wonderful. But there's such good value nowadays. Really, really good, good value. Um, 84850, steve at uk. I will tell you the story in the next part of the programme of uh, the beef dripping, which is now a top gourmet food. As the producer said to me, what goes around comes around. Beef dripping. We used to go to the butchers and buy a packet of dripping. And it was, it was done in waxed paper. And you would take it out and you'd sort of take a slice off. I mean, some people, I don't know how they ever managed it because it looked disgusting. They used to have dripping on toast. You'd actually put all bread and dripping. They'd actually take this, this dripping and, and I used to think, oh dear. I don't even know what dripping is. It's just fat, isn't it? It was just fat. My mother used to keep it in the frying pan. And so when she used to cook the bacon, when, when, the, uh, when she'd finished cooking, she didn't pour it away. She would put it through a sieve to take all the bits out, and then it would go back in the frying pan again. And then, and it would then solidify, and then it would keep adding to the flavour. It was like making a soup in the early days. And I can't make soup either. I've got friends of mine who go, oh, you should buy a liquidizer. You know, go and buy some fruit, stick it in there. They go, oh, no, too many people now are doing these smoothies. You can't move on the television without people sort of advertising a bullet or this extractor or that one or this one crushes everything up. You can stick your nuts in it and uh, and that'll sort of mash everything up and then ice on top of it. Then there was another one which would look the same thing, but it was a soup maker. It became a soup maker as well and you could put stuff in there and it heated it up. And I thought, I could live on soup, but the trouble is my, my downfall would be crusty bread and butter with the soup. You know, my idea of, of soup would be something like either, what do I do, potato and leek. Heinz cream of tomato gets me every time, though. You don't have to tempt me for that. And as a luxury, swirl a little bit of cream on the top. And then it's got to be with crusty bread and really nice butter. But I tend to find most butters nowadays have got no taste. No taste. You need to go abroad to go and find decent butters. Uh, The other story, which is trending. It's our new word. It's our new buzzword. I don't like using it at all. I've I've tried to avoid it. I've only ever used it about three times on the programme. And each time somebody goes, so what are you using this word trending for? I said, I don't know. I don't like it. I don't, I don't, like, I don't like the word upcoming. I always thought it was forthcoming, but upcoming seems to be the Americanism. And this is uh, Jerry Halliwell confirming, well, sort of confirming, that the Spice Girls will tour next year without Victoria, because she doesn't want anything to do with it. In other words, it's not the Spice Girls. How can three people do what four people used to do? Is it three? But Yeah, one, two. It is three of them. Is, oh, wait a minute. One. Yeah, one, two. Yeah, three. Was it three or four of them? How many were in the Spice Girls? Were they five or four? I can't remember. Whatever it is, it's not going to be the same without Victoria. Or is it? You know, somebody said, have you ever interviewed Victoria? Have I ever interviewed? Of course I've interviewed Victoria. Victoria Beckham has phoned me up before now, I'll have you know. Heavens above, I'm talked about in, in very low places. News at five is coming up uh, very, very quickly. It's another day at the firm. Our record reigning champion. Yes, Her Majesty the Queen. Thank you, ma'am. A symbol of our enduring spirit. Rock on, clergyman. Bobby Ball's tips to spice up sermons. Uh, Paula, star athlete, says, I'm not a drugs cheat. There's all sorts of allegations. Uh, Jamie Oliver says, I've shed two stone by eating more than I used to. 
which means he's got a book coming out. Live and Let uh, Lie, Doctor No. Sam Smith says, yes, I'm doing the Bond theme. And the living wage to blame for the rising cost of your coffee. And Lewis Hamilton laughingly admits he's got a stylist. All of that and more on LBC. I'm Steve Allen. News is next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's four minutes past five. It's Wednesday, the 9th of September. Come on, up, 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 up. No point in lying in bed and wasting the day. A friend of mine I just bumped into, he said, oh, dreadful night's sleep. He said, I slept for an hour. He said, I went to bed with a headache. Now, I'm lucky. Touch wood, somewhere in here. I haven't had a headache in donkey's years. Seriously, I just... Perhaps some people get lots of headaches, so I don't. Everything else, but uh, definitely not headaches. So he said he's only slept for an hour. He said, I'll be able to keep myself going on Red Bull this morning. Uh, Lewis Hamilton admits he has a stylist. The Queen all over the front of the, uh, the papers, a symbol of our enduring spirit and long to reign over us. Some Bobby Balls tips to spice up sermons. Generally an opportunity to get the opal fruits out, I always thought. And beef dripping, top food. In fact, it is top because Brian says, don't knock beef dripping. I lived on it when I was a kid and still like it on toast today at 70. It is just fat, isn't it? I am getting this right. This isn't some new superfood that, that has, has been undiscovered for ages and ages. It is just that beef drip. I didn't think you could just eat it. It's like sort of, you know, dripping mazola into your mouth or something like that. That could be dreadful. I'm not sure about that one at all, actually. In fact, I'm pretty certain. Uh, it was Mark who says, have you interviewed Posh? I'll tell you when it came about. We were in another building and Victoria had phoned me on the program. She phoned into the studio to say, it's, it's Victoria Beckham. And um, can I have a word with Steve Allen? And so they, they put her on air, and so she so we had a chat. She said, you said we wouldn't last, and all the rest of it. Of course, I was right, they didn't. And um, <laughs> at the time, they were going OK. And so it sort of took off. And anyway, then uh, something happened where Victoria came into the studio. But not just Victoria, I got the family. I got mum, dad and sister as well. And who was walking around the outside of our building, carrying first child, David. Had they known that, they'd have been out there in force. But uh, she came in. Everybody was uh, hanging out. Even in those days, people were interested because she was in the Spice Isn't it funny? The one who didn't do anything really in the Spice Girls is the one who made the most of herself. But she doesn't want to tour with them because that was what she did. She's moved on. She's 41 now. I don't, you know, I don't want to hear creaking bones on the stage. And so she's, uh, she's decided that, you know, it's, uh, it's not for her. So the others will go out there. And well, it can't be for the money, can it? They, they, they definitely don't need the money. Uh, you have to know, says Jean in Edmonton, thank God she's in Canada, that the very best snow cards have to have glitter. Snowflakes sparkle. What's the point of sending you boring, flat-looking snow? I want to send you top-quality snow from Canada. Hope your creative team can find a glitter buster with a snow shovel attachment and can clean up all the glitter. Waiting for the first snow. Well, you and me together... I mean, I think that's the prettiest ever. And, and I've said it countless times over the years that um, I don't think we see enough snow. I know in London, which is where we're based, incidentally, in case you've tuned into the radio by mistake and are wondering where we're based, we're based in Leicester Square, right in the middle of London. Well, right in the middle of it, Trafalgar Square, but we're near as damn it. And, um, and you just remember snow. So when we get snow in London, it looks ever so pretty. You look out the windows and it's coming down. I like it when it's... And I think, oh, that's so pretty. So, so pretty. But I know it's murder for people having to drive, 
cabs or, you know, to drive buses or anything. And even with my car, it's, it's big and heavy, so it does tend to slide a little bit. But there's just something so pretty about it. I remember being out, I've told you before, when we used to live in Yorkshire, right up uh, past Hull, near Spurn Point, you can see it on the map, it's a little bit that sort of looks like a little willy sticking out. And uh, we were up there, and it was all just flat, and it was fields and farming. So when it snowed, it came down, and it was just... It was beautiful. It really was. I can't, I can't describe how exciting it was. I was as excited when we went back to see Father Christmas. And over in uh, uh, Loosto, which is where we went to, they had the most snow there. And it was just so pretty. There's something about it. I don't know. Perhaps it's a childlike quality. Perhaps I'm in the, perhaps I'm in the wrong body. Perhaps some people, they always go, you know, I think I'm a woman. I think possibly I'm a child stuck in a body. Because I still derive endless pleasure from silly things like that. You know, even from... from I want to do a Christmas market. My brother did a Christmas market last year. And he seemed to like it. And I just want to go somewhere. I'd like to go to Salzburg. That's very pretty. Vienna has a very good uh, market. Uh, Dean thinks his uh, body clock is set for 4am. Suits me fine. That suits me fine. I was we, we were we were laughing about this the other day, sort of saying, you know, there's uh, there's not much competition for my my program at four o'clock in the morning. But I like it like that. I like it like that. You know, everybody is is doing their own thing. I'm I'm offering something a little bit different. Well, quite a bit different actually compared to most people. But uh, most people seem to go along with it. And Jenny says a cuppa, a cuppa, and the Steve Allen show perfect because I love the Queen and Prince Philip. And uh, you, you and me together, and I, I like the fact that we've got the Queen. I'm a, bi- I'm a big royalist. I don't like all of them, don't get me wrong. I'm not a big fan, as you know, of some of the minor members of the royal family, but I like William, I like Kate. Harry, I suppose, to a certain extent, once they've found something for him to do, he just seems to be sort of wandering around in a bit of a trance at the moment. You know, I'll open a hospital or I'll go and have some... Oh, I and is he back with Chelsea Davy and do we care? Uh, William just gets on with his life, I suppose, and tries to be as normal as he can. The Queen does her thing. Prince Philip does his thing as well. Prince Andrew's just, you know, nobody really cares about him and uh, the ex-wife. And they certainly don't care about the two daughters either. I mean, they really are sort of like the social outcasts as far as the media are concerned. They just think they're bone idle. Most people in the media can't stand them. But then you don't have to like them. You didn't vote for them. Why would you have to like somebody? The answer is you don't. You absolutely don't. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, And um, has Christo, says little Julie, shown an interest in your Tommy Bahama shirts? I d- he wants to touch, and I don't like it. You know, I'm, I, He can't afford them, and that's the problem. You know, if he could actually afford to buy these shirts, then it would be completely different, but he can't. And for some, I've been up to DHL today and got the... I wish I could remember what the, what the Dickens, the designs were, but I cannot remember for love nor money. Uh, right, so uh, Brian is back in court. Brian May. They're hoping to lodge a judicial review in a bid to halt the Tories' badger cull. Uh, in 2013-14, two and a half thousand badgers were shot dead. And the reason that they shoot them is to stop the, uh, the spread of uh, bovine tuberculosis. Uh, ministers say that there will be 2,000 shot this year, which will stop the spread of TB. Uh, it's already cost the, the, you, the taxpayer, £16.7 million. I don't know why it costs so much money. I seriously don't. The bill will rise by, uh, I think it's £12 million when the scheme expands into Dorset this year. I mean, how many blooming badgers are there out there? I mean, I, I did do a book once, years and years ago, on a lady who'd, who'd found a badger set 
and she filmed them over the course of a year, coming out of the set, going off hunting, doing all their sort of things. But she never revealed where it was, she said, because she knew that people would go round and they would do badger baiting. They'd send dogs down, and that, that is just off, completely off. I was watching a programme this morning on the television as I was, I was getting ready and attempting to sort of lift a leg up to put a sock on, which is always, it's always worth watching that. If ever they film that for an end conversation, that'll be entertaining. And it was a film about uh, Pride of Lions in Africa, as opposed to Peckham. And uh, they were sort of there, and they were, they were trying to survive, and that was the problem. They were finding it very difficult. They also didn't have a leader of the Pride, and that was another problem for them. But they, they got to that stage where they were so hungry, absolutely so hungry, that they, they started to tackle all sorts of animals that they wouldn't have tackled before. And they tried to do buffalo, but buffalo are big and they've got horns which can do serious damage to lions. And so they, they don't like to tackle too much. Although, you know, working as a team, they managed to bring down a buffalo. And it's, it's, I found myself with a dreadful dilemma. Did I sit there and watch this poor animal's last breath? Or did I flip over the channel? And I have to be honest, I flipped over the channel. Because I thought, I don't... I, don't really, I know that they aren't allowed to interfere and stop this, which they could have done quite easily. You didn't have to fire a rifle and the lions would have sort of backed off. But it was, this, it was the fact that this poor, this poor buffalo tried to do its best and in the end just sheer weight. All the other buffalo just stand around. Originally they all gang up on the lions, but when one gets brought down they all just stand back and probably think, there but for the grace of God go I. So I didn't watch that and then later so I flipped back after about two minutes and they'd moved on and this time... They were trying to, they had more mouths to feed, more mouths to feed, because lions spend most of their time asleep. And when they're not asleep, they're hunting because they've got to eat, because they're such big things. And this time they were trying to bring an elephant down. And the elephants were all ganging up on them, but they, they targeted one that was in the middle, a little one. And of course he was squealing as they jumped on his back and they, eventually they fell off and all, all was peace. But they didn't give up. They kept going on. And in the end, they found sort of a medium sized elephant and they literally jumped on its back two of them and the elephants carrying them along and then gradually the others jump on as well it's like a, it's a huge team effort and they brought it down and again I wrestled with my conscience as to whether or not I wanted to watch this ele- and, it was, and then when it sort of it went down you knew that that was the end there was no chance it was going to get get back up again and what the what the lions do is they start eating them alive I mean it's the most horrendous thing but then you think no, you, you can't interfere because that's that's the cycle of life but I did find it a little bit horrendous a little bit a little bit too much to take first thing in the morning a little bit too much to take first thing in the morning uh, soap star Danny Dyer has uh, given Mary Berry a groveling public apology for manhandling her at the TV Choice Awards um the Bake Off judge and EastEnders star met again when his show won the Best Soap Award. It's not his show, it's EastEnders. It's not his show, OK? Mary presented the gong and then moved to the opposite side of the stage, um, uh, as, as far away from him as she could get. And at the 2014 awards, he held Mary's neck and leaned in to kiss her full on. He said, I just want to apologise for Mary for last year. It was embarrassing. Yes, well, that's a drink for you, isn't it, really? Just embarrassing, I'm afraid. But you mustn't do things like that. She's a national treasure. And national treasures must not be manhandled. We do not do things like that. We really don't. Uh, The man who um, killed Cecil, the lion, Cecil in America, but Cecil here, uh, has finally left hiding and gone back to his practice. I don't think people are at all happy about it. There's still people standing outside this dentist's surgery in America, campaigning to get him uh, extradited to face uh, charges. He's, He's shown no remorse at all, really. 
I watched the interview with him, and he uh, he he's almost said he's he's going to carry on hunting. He's not going to stop just because uh, a number of people. Well, you know, people are not happy about it. How his dentist practice is surviving, I don't know. Whether or not they've had to sort of lose people, but he's gone back to work, and he's not ruled out hunting again. It's 5.15. BC. And at 7 this morning with Nick as Queen Elizabeth II becomes our longest reigning monarch. What does Her Majesty mean to you? We'll be putting two Labour leadership candidates under the microscope. And Chief Inspector of Schools, Sir Michael Wilshaw, takes your calls. That's Nick and the team at 7 with breakfast on LBC after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Doing the papers today, Phil Dampier, the royal commentator and author. Of course, very apropos that he would be in today. And Margaret Rhodes at 9.33. I'm very excited by that bit. This is the woman who wrote the book about the Queen Mother because she is a cousin uh, of, first cousin of Elizabeth II, a niece to Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, and she was there on the day that the Queen Mother died. And she wrote a book about it and put in uh, photographs. And obviously it had to be approved by the royal family. So quite clearly they hold her fairly high. And it is non-stop rain. I mean, you have to ask the question, how does she do it? 64 years on the throne, four kids, eight grandkids, 12 prime ministers, 60 million subjects. And still she finds time to go to the hairdresser and to watch the racing. I mean, obviously, obviously there are alien women in Star Trek, you and I could probably identify with more closely than the Queen when it comes to daily life. However, there are few things all of us can learn <coughs> from Her Majesty and her historic time at the top. One, never complain, never explain. Two, never leave home without your lippy on. Three, never trust the kids, particularly that exasperating eldest son, to do anything properly. Four, talk like Eliza Doolittle and you'll get anything for free. Look at the civil list. Uh, five, beware daughter-in-laws. They're most likely to be leeches or loonies. And six, always make sure your old man walks three steps behind you. That's what Alison Phillips came up uh, today with in her column in the Mirror. She talks about poor old Davy Boy Beckham. And um, she says, tragically, David Beckham has denied reports that he's considering putting himself forward for the role of James Bond. What a terrible loss for the big screen, says Alison. He's got the looks... He's got the motors, he's got that dazzling way with the ladies, apparently, and he's an English icon. OK, he may not be able to act, so what? Neither could Roger Moore, she writes. Well, I think it's being a little bit mean. I mean, Roger could raise an eyebrow. Heavens above, you shouldn't expect everything, should you? Uh, Brian the Milkman says, you're older than you let on. My mum had the same Christmas cake decorations. I reckon everybody had the same Christmas cake decorations. We all had the same thing. That little snowman came out. Yeah, When I first saw him on the Christmas cake, I remember, I can't remember what age I was. I used to think perhaps he's icing. Now you can buy little icing snowmen you put on the top. There was something about doing a Christmas cake. My mother made a really good fruit cake because she baked Lots of people don't bake now. I know you see it on the television, but the majority of people don't. They'll go and they'll go and buy it. Gladys is 68 and wears trainers because of arthritis in my feet. Thank you very much. It's not for people like you, Gladys. For, you, I think you need to just wear slippers all the time. Slippers are best. Uh, Pat in Tamworth says, I've already bought some Christmas cards, Steve. Have just the right one for you. Oh, it's going to be laden with glitter, isn't it? I could just tell. I could see you all doing this now just to really wind me up. And, uh, and Patrick says, blue suits you because it matches your aura. Yes, or my skin tone, I think. Uh, bread and dripping, says Patrick, our staple diet in the 1940s. And you reminiscing, you reminiscing, uh, Steve, uh, during rationing, when all the neighbours saved their coupons leading up to Christmas and each neighbour... Uh, made something like the shortbread or whatever. My mother was asked to make the cake and then it was all shared among the families. Happy times, uncluttered with the angst that goes on today. Yes, I agree with you. I think there's an awful lot of angst. There's an awful lot of depression 
There's an awful lot of, you look at the papers, and that Shaw Taylor used to say, do you remember at the end of, of Police 5, he used to say, well, you know, sleep well, don't, don't worry. You know, just because you read all these sort of things, you don't, you don't need to... Uh, you don't need to worry about things. Patrick says, I'm now a complete insomniac. Now awake at 4am and at 4am asleep at 7. Well, as long as you stay awake for the programme, I don't really mind, actually. As long as you sort of cling on to the uh, the Steve Allen programme, then uh, we're all right. I, I, it's only when, when people sort of disappear that I, I kind of worry and they go, I only made it to the first five minutes of your programme. And I go, no, 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 no. Listen, we, we actually need you for a little bit longer. Thank you. Uh, don't worry. I have a solution. If, she, if uh, Victoria's not going to tour with the Spice Girls, how about old Cheryl Spagbol? She could do it. She could be auto-tuned. She could take over a skinny spice. Very cruel. Very cruel, Phil, in France. Probably safer that you're over there than, than over here. Uh, Bonnie. Bonnie Langford has revealed joining EastEnders helped her through the agony of divorce. And she says it's very flattering to be compared to Barbara Windsor because I love her. Yes, Barbara, uh, who will be having a nice restful time at this precise moment. I think Scott will probably be up. Yes, he'll be, he'll def- Scott will definitely be up. Definitely up at this time of the morning. Actually, there was a lovely picture of them coming out of, now was it the Ivy the other day? And uh, again, Barbara looking fantastic and Scott looking very, I thought he's, he's had work done. He looked very youthful, very, very youthful. You know, seriously, I thought he maybe he's had his hair cut. Whatever it was, he looked really, really good. Uh, other stories of the papers. This poor old Lewis Hamilton. Uh, he has actually revealed he doesn't pick any of his outfits. Well, I think we guessed that one, Lou, baby. I think we guessed. He said, I hate shopping. He said, I'm a racing driver. It's far too slow. I love diamonds. Not many men wear them. No, and they're not really what men wear, are they? I mean, diamonds, the song goes, are a girl's best friend. You know, men wearing them, a little bit naff, I think. A little bit naff. Um, David Gandhi, isn't he going out with that Molly What's-A-Face off the uh, the Saturdays, who, in a blatant attempt to try and get herself noticed, said, oh, I think I could be a, a, a presenter on Top Gear. And I thought, I don't think you can. Why do they just think that they move effortlessly from, from you know, the Saturdays to doing nothing, and uh, still doing nothing, and then they go, oh, I think I'll be a presenter on Top Gear. And we go, why? Why? Do you have likability factor? Not particularly. There's loads of people who are putting in for it. I think agents everywhere must be working overtime to try and, you know, find places for people. But I love the way they all go, I think I'll be a presenter. And you go, good for you. And it ain't going to work, is it? Ain't going to work. Um, there's a, a dentist in the paper today. We don't often do dentist stories. I know because most people absolutely hate it. And you might have a dental appointment today. But this is the, um, the dentist who bans his NHS pay- patients from parking the daughter of a disabled pensioner was forced to move her car at the dentist after she parked in a bay reserved for private patients only. Judy King had taken her mum, Gretchen, who uses a walking frame to get her dentures examined. She was told to move the car after she parked in a space strictly reserved for private patients. Judy says, we were waiting to be seen when the manager asked if it was my car in the car park. He said, I shouldn't have parked there as it was only for private patients. I couldn't believe it. My mum's registered disabled and she walks with the aid of a Zimmer frame. I just think it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, the surgery in Huddersfield, surprisingly, has a sign outside which states parking strictly for private patients only. The practice manager, Sajid Manzur, said there are parking options for all our patients and those with a blue badge can park on the street. Yes, they can. You get that, that advantage, don't you? Uh, and also the story that we, uh, we went big time on yesterday, and this is the, the prize for idiotic mother of the month, and that's putting it politely. I mean, dim, dim and dumber. 
And it goes to Yvonne McDowell. She's claimed her daughter being sent home from school for having dyed leopard print hair infringes her human rights. No one has the right to tell someone what to do with their body, wails Mrs McDowell. Possibly not, writes Alison Phillips, but a school has an absolute right to set rules, then to expect pupils and their parents to abide by them. And perhaps Mrs McDowell should be concerning herself less with her daughter's body and more with her mind. And how she's shaping it by teaching her contempt for rules ignorance of team spirit and an abject failure to value education. Yes, but then you only had to look at the mother to realise we were looking at somebody who probably wouldn't even understand any of those points. But we make them anyway, in the hope that eventually you find somebody who is a a bit more intelligent and finally, you know, realises that having your daughter's hair looking particularly stupid, whether she's 13 or 7 or whatever it is, is not following the rules. And the rules are quite clear. It's not that they sort of make the rules... Uh, only for somebody to break them. They're telling you, if your child goes to this school, then this is what you will wear. This is the school uniform. This is what we expect. It's a simple... It's not It's not complicated. But she obviously thinks she's doing it. Well, I tell you what, why don't you take your child out of school and go and find somewhere else for her, OK? Because you've given her the biggest chip on her shoulder without even realising it. You're probably too dumb to realise. Uh, dripping equals suet equals the fat surrounding the cattle's kidneys. Oh, God, that sounds even worse, doesn't it? Shaw Taylor used to say, keep them peeled. Who was it who did the thing? Oh, it was, oh, it was, um, can't remember now. It was on the police programme. Who used to say that? Who used to, to, um, say, don't, you know, if you're watching, don't worry, sleep well. You know, don't let the bed, bug, bed bugs bite. Robin says, all this talk about Christmas reminds me of the indoor fireworks that my dad used to get for, uh, from Woolworths for after the Christmas dinner. Great show as always. Thank you. You can still get those indoor fireworks. There's a company called Hawkins Bazaar, and Hawkins Bazaar sell indoor fireworks. You know the little monkey that smokes? Every single blows out smoke rings, and you can get the uh, the snake, and you can get the little uh, tissue thing which you light, and it floats up to the ceiling, and it's got a cap in the corner, and then it goes bang. That was frightens people. Oh, yes, you can still buy these indoor fireworks. And the snake that you, you light the end of it, and all of a sudden it goes... And it sort of turns into this thing which is all powder. I love those those little trees you get, which are made of paper, and you stick them in a solution, and then it grows snow on all the branches. It sort of absorbs the this sort of watery type stuff, which has obviously got something in it. But you can get it all at Hawkins Bazaar. They they sell that. They've got a website. And uh, coming up to Christmas, get your orders in now. And they do little sparklers as well. Great fun. It's 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 27 minutes to six. Uh, Phil says some of your 4 a.m. spikers are badgers. I feed them every night during your show. The cull is obscene. Uh, Paul says Nick Ross on Crime Watch. Thank you, Paul. You're absolutely right. It was Nick Ross who said, you know, don't don't worry. It was Shaw Taylor who said keep them peeled, uh, which was after Police Five. And on Crime Watch, Nick Ross used to say, you know, don't don't sort of worry about it just because we've shown you all these horrendous things. Dale's listening to the programme this morning, which is good news. And a report in the Daily Mail today says nearly half of Britons think we're taking too many Syrian refugees. This is over a, a five-year period. But one MP says, my refugee barber's on holiday in the country he fled from. And this is a, a story by their political correspondent, Jack Doyle, who says an MP claims he was unable to get a haircut because his refugee barber had gone on holiday back to his home country. Adam Holloway, Tory MP for Gravesham, warned that not everybody who claimed asylum actually faced genuine persecution in their own country. He also said economic migrants were pretending to be Syrian to further their claims for sanctuary in Europe. 
His comments in a Commons debate on the refugee crisis sparked outrage from Labour MPs who demanded Britain take more than the 20,000 Syrian refugees pledged. Mr Holloway said it was an appalling truth that the Syrian bodies that had washed up on the beaches included people who'd already reached safe countries but then chose to head to Europe. He said, likewise, we have people in this country who have come here, claimed asylum, and then go back on holiday in the places where they've claimed asylum from. I couldn't have my hair cut the other day for that reason. He said France and Germany were bonkers to give ever-growing numbers of refugees and migrants the right to settle in Europe. He said we have to make it absolutely clear that people will not be allowed to live in Europe if they try to get in through the back door. He argued that Europe needed to re-establish control of the borders, which it's now lost, in order to stop deaths like that of Aylan Kurdi. If we fail to achieve this, millions more people will make these journeys and more will be overwhelmed in the years ahead. Mr Holloway is a former captain in the Grenadier Guards and ITV journalist who said it was important to realise not all migrants are refugees. He said it had been reported that Syrians were distancing themselves from other nationalities, including Pakistanis, who claim to be Syrian because they have the most valid claim on asylum. You can read that in the papers today, and no doubt Nick Ferrari will be talking about it. They're also asking uh, in the paper whether Jihadi John is going to be a drone target, and uh, they've got a number of fanatics in here uh, who come from this country who appeared to be on a on a list, uh, Mohammed uh, Mwazi. That's the one known as Jihadi John. His parents still live in this country, as indeed do all of these people on this list. He's appeared on videos beheading seven hostages. And so if he gets blown up anytime soon, I don't think anybody will be shedding any tears. Uh, one here who was filmed with a Kalashnikov in Syria called Amir uh, Daghais, 21 years old. Some of them are quite young. Uh, Alan Davis was a London drug dealer who converted to Islam at 15. Uh, 30. Obviously, it says in Islam that you can be a drug dealer, does it? Mohammed Hadi is dubbed Osama bin Bieber because of his youthful looks. Uh, Siddhartha Dar is one of hate cleric Anjam Chowdhury's henchmen. Uh, Abdul Majed Abdul Bari from West London once posed with a severed head. Omar Hussein of High Wycombe once said on Newsnight, I hate the UK. I remember that one. Asil Multana, who's 18 of Cardiff, fled to Syria three months after his brother. NASA and uh, and also a woman as well. Her name is uh, Kajila Dare, a jihadi bride who said she wants to become the first woman to behead a Westerner. She's quite clearly as sick as we think the other ones are. What a stupid person, honestly. How embarrassing. We've even got parents. And the parents, of course, as I've said before, they seem to know nothing, do they? They seem to know nothing. You know, not my child. They wouldn't do that. I seem to remember when we found out exactly where jihadi John, John's parents were, were living. Apparently, on benefits. I find it absolutely unbelievable. But the good news, and there is a good story, apart from Her Majesty the Queen and a nice official picture where she looks as radiant as ever, is the British dad who feared that a child trafficking plot in an El Salvador hospital meant that they'd lost their child. But they've now got the child back. They, 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 they were given another child and they did a DNA. It wasn't their, their child at all. So they were they were a little bit worried by that. But uh, yesterday they said they were absolutely thrilled to be reunited with their son more than three months after he was born at a hospital in El Salvador. So uh, so that's good news. And they appeared on all the uh, the television programmes. The one story you will be hearing about today, because it is just so ludicrous, is the PC Brigade's Christmas panto, Snow White and the Seven Friends. Apparently, for Walt Disney, not to mention generations of pantomime lovers, the title of the fairy tale is fairly simple. It's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. 
OK, that's what it is. It's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, not seven people of restricted stature or friends or anything like that. The forces, though, of political correctness have struck again with one theatre production at the De Montfort Halls in Leicester. It's a very well-known venue, very well-known venue. Uh, they believe that dwarf is not a term people feel comfortable with. Well, I suggest you go to the dictionary. What they suffer with is dwarfism. The correct term for them is dwarfs. They're not ashamed. They're not embarrassed. Warwick Davis thinks this is the stupidest thing he's ever heard. And uh, he says it's patronising. He said, why are people offended on our behalf? We're not offended by it. We're dwarfs. We have dwarfism. And so the De Montfort Halls, I'd love to find out who it is. I'd love to find out who the person is who's done this. And call Snow White and the Seven uh, Friends. To be honest with you, I'd boycott the thing. I mean, it's it's got uh, Sherry Houston and children's TV favourite Justin Fletcher, whoever he is. Thought he was out of another programme, Porridge. But Sherry Houston, what on earth is she associating herself with? This for uh, Anthony Flint from the De Montfort Hall said the dwarves would be played by young members of the dance team rather than adults. In other words, they're saving money. But that audiences will absolutely get the full traditional story they're expecting. Well, it's cobblers, isn't it? Snow White and the Seven Friends. Don't be so ridiculous. It's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. But of course, if you can't afford dwarfs, and many places can't, and there's also a shortage at Christmas, they, they have to get in early. You want to get your, your quotient. You know, because some people, they, they say, you know, we've got, you know, real live dwarves on stage as opposed to real dead dwarves, I suppose. And uh, sometimes they only have two or three. And uh, and that's that's the that's the problem, isn't it? But, you know, to sort of seven friends. They weren't friends of hers. She was sort of she was a servant. She was a skivvy. She was a bit like the Paul Burrell to the royal family. That's that's how it worked. That's how it worked. Uh, eight for eight. Don't forget to watch tonight. Who's doing the dishes? Anthea Turner. Oh God, I wouldn't watch anything with Anthea Turner in. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, my youngest daughter had pink hair all summer. The day before school, it was dyed brown. School rules, Steve. Yes, I agree. Maybe says Kevin the milkman. Mrs. McDowell wouldn't shout out about everyone to have the freedom to express themselves if one of the teachers said that they were a naturist and it was their freedom to teach in the nude. Oh, she'd be the first one, wouldn't she? she there's a picture of her in the papers yesterday, and she looks. Exactly, as if she you knows she's one of those sort of people, you know, who would be crazy. It's my daughter's right to have her hair looking really stupid. You know, and of course, now she's embarrassed the daughter and herself because nobody's agreed with her. Well, I think Nick might have had somebody yesterday, but uh, nobody else agreed. They all thought she was barking mad. Uh, Nick Owen, Crime Watch, Steve. Don't have nightmares. Sleep well. I still like keep them peeled. That was a, that was a great line, wasn't it? Keep them peeled. What a brilliant thing to say. Uh, one here very quickly. Uh, this is uh, from uh, Alan. He says, I've lived in Bromley, Kent for 22 years from Withensy. I know Spurn Point well. Used to go there to dig worms and sold them to the fishermen. <laughs> yes, I know I know Withensy very well. I had a bit of a bit of an incident in Withensy years ago. My father used to go riding horses and uh, because he used to ride with the Lipizzanas in Vienna, uh, the uh, Vienna Riding School. And um, and so when we used to arrive in a place, when we had postings, he would find out the local riding school. And because he was experienced, we didn't have to go round with the riding school. We could go we could go out by ourselves. So my father would would go out with me and my brother and uh, we'd go cross country, do all sorts of things because we could all ride from an early age. And going through Withensy one day, there was a bloke who owned a shop. He was mad as a fruitcake, mad as a fruitcake. And um, and we'd, we'd come into Withensy, a very sleepy little seaside town, which is where I went to school. And uh, I was on a huge horse. I mean, this thing might have been 17, 18 hands. It was, it, was a, it was far bigger than I'd ever been used to riding before. And um, 
and we're just sort of meandering down the street, and this bloke came out of his shop, and he went like that, which spooked my horse, and we took off down the street. <laughs> Seriously, I'm clinging on for grim death, thinking, where's this going to end? And, of course, it ended as the horse turned into the stables, which were just off the high street on the road out of Withensea. But uh, it was a... Temp- we nearly went back there, and I nearly had words with him, but I was only young at the time. I would have been only about uh, 15. So we didn't go back, and uh, my father wasn't that sort of person. He certainly wasn't confrontational. But uh, what a silly thing to do. But I tell you, we belted down the high street, belted down the high street, straight into the stables, and I then breathed a sigh of relief. Not uh, totally oblivious to the embarrassment that had been caused. Uh, Bruce is in the uh, the middle of a beautiful state of Oregon. There you go. Middle of a road trip in America. A road trip. That's a coming-of-age thing, isn't it? A road trip. That's what they do nowadays. People say, a road trip. That's good. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Sophie's husband, Prince What's-His-Face, Edward. Your ever-so-eloquent whack at the royal siblings this morning got me thinking, said Richard in Huddersfield, about Edward's futile attempts to ingratiate himself with the great unwashed over the years. Oh, It's a Royal Knockout was the classic one. He'd done it. He'd roped in Fergie and John Travolta and various celebrities, but the press were not impressed. Uh, and also the fact they weren't allowed to, uh, to watch it live. They had to watch it on a television, so they weren't best pleased. So when he came back... And uh, he was wearing this outfit, which made him look like a complete ninny, I'm afraid. Uh, he sort of sat down and started talking to the press. So, what, what did you think of it? And we're not that bothered, actually. He said, oh, well, thank you very much indeed. And then he started to do something else. Then some woman asked a question. And he went, I haven't finished speaking yet. He was terribly arrogant. Terribly. In the days when, I suppose, the press turning against the royal family would have been unheard of. Absolutely unheard of. Nowadays, of course, you know, if they don't like something, they just print it. It's as as straightforward and as cut and dried as that. And so then he decided he wasn't having any more to do with them at all, so he just stormed out, had a bit of a tantrum. Mike Smith was the man who'd who'd put it together. But it was was very interesting to watch the, well, thank you very much indeed. And then he said, what did he say to one of them? He he pointed his finger and wagged and said, you need to learn some manners. As if to say, I'm better than you. Oh, it's a terrible situation. Terrible situation. But we do remember... Uh, the uh, the prince's tradition of crying off. He was in the forces. He didn't manage to do that. Wasn't he in the Marines or something? Whatever it was, he didn't manage to work too well there. So he turned up to the theatre with Andrew Lloyd Webber's company. And uh, then there was the photo stunt, turning up for work on his first day, carrying a box of tea bags. So in touch with people. So in touch. Uh, Edward, uh, Prince, uh, tea bag, tea bag, tea, cup of tea? Anybody? Cup of tea. Somebody will make it. <laughs> Oh, yes, it, was, it all went a bit pear-shaped. What he does now, I've got no idea. I can't remember. I'm sure he must do something very, very exciting. If only we knew what it was. If only we knew what it was. Uh, i tell you what it is now. It's quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Uh, Martin tells me Mr Tumble is uh, Stephen Fletcher, a children's favourite. We didn't know who he was. Uh, so is he one of the ones then on... The BBC, which is the CBBS, which the BBC are thinking of axing. Johnny Ball is in one of the papers today saying they never should have made Grange Hill. I thought Grange Hill was something that most of us grew up on. Didn't we like Grange Hill? We followed the characters. Still got a number of them listening to LBC. Probably this morning, I shouldn't wonder. Uh, because they were saying they need to save £150 million. And so they thought if they axe children's television... Because we, we, we've sort of moved on a little bit, haven't we? I'm not, I'm not saying we need a dedicated children's channel. I think we do need certain programmes. But now, with the advent of DVDs and, and uh, play schools and all sorts of people who tour around the country, and they do these big shows, don't they, then perhaps we don't need it anymore. 
Perhaps we don't need a dedicated channel. Perhaps it was it harked back to a, a happier time in the 50s where you could put on Muffin the Mule and stuff like that. Uh, the families of the jihadists are in the paper today who were killed by the RAF could sue for huge uh, payments. Uh, one of them is the family of um, Khan. This is uh, one of the people. He comes from Cardiff. Well, he did come from Cardiff. He didn't come from anywhere at all at the moment. This is uh, Rayad Khan. And together with uh, Amin of Aberdeen, they'd become recruiting poster boys for IS. They boasted on social media about their sick exploits, including beheadings and encouraging other recruits to join them. The Khan family, hilariously, are demanding the government reveal the evidence and legal advice it had to justify killing the pair. They were members of ISIS. I think that's about it. His mother and father are said to be sick with grief. They were told of his death ten days ago, but only learnt of the UK's involvement on Monday. Well, I tell you what, perhaps we shouldn't have told them it was us. They're members of ISIS. What do you expect? They just sort of pop back in and go, oh, a couple of beheadings today. Uh, what's for tea, Mum? And then pop back over there again. These people, I tell you, it's, it's, it's really, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. A would-be jihadi bride who began an online romance with a postal worker has been jailed for 15 months. Angela Shafiq from Hounslow discussed marriage with Mohammed Nahin Ahmed and advised him on how he should travel to Syria as a fake aid worker. Uh, Ahmed uh, was jailed for 12 years last December for preparing to commit terrorist acts. Shafiq denied the same offence, saying her online chats were fantasy, but the Old Bailey jury discovered she was a liar and uh, and didn't buy into it at all. Paulie Yates is... Ab- Radcliffe, Paulie Yates and Paulie Yates. I don't know why I've got Paulie Yates on the brain today. I don't know why. It's very odd. It, her image just came into my mind. Paula Radcliffe, the record holder, has denied being a drugs cheat after she was sensationally linked to allegations of doping. She's absolutely... She was going to be quiet about it, but she said, I just can't be. She'd wrestled long and hard with a desire to speak out after the, the newspaper investigation, but she said it would only have fueled false speculation. As a result, she said, of today's parliamentary hearing, I can no longer maintain my silence. She's absolutely fuming. She said she was devastated after a parliamentary committee heard British athletes who were winners and medalists at the London Marathon were under suspicion. Although she was not named... I mean, she won the London Marathon three times, and she's the only British athlete, I think, to triumph at the prestigious event since 1996. So, of course, by implication, they're going, oh, well, you must be talking about her. I mean, she was profoundly disappointed that the cloak of parliamentary privilege had been used to tarnish her reputation. She's a mother of two. She's married to her coach, Gary. She said, I categorically deny that I've resorted to cheating in any form whatsoever at any time in my career, and I'm devastated that my name has been linked to these wide-ranging accusations. I've campaigned long and hard throughout my career for a clean sport. I've publicly condemned cheats and those who aid them. These accusations threaten to undermine all I've stood and competed for, as well as my hard-earned reputation. She says, by linking me to allegations of cheating, damage done to my name and reputation can never be fully repaired, no matter how untrue I know them to be. I mean, 2002, she was BBC Sports Personality of the Year. I'm not saying that that's the answer to it, but can you imagine? She's campaigned against this sort of thing, and then, even though she wasn't named, by implication, by implication, they said that, you know, British athletes who were winners and medalists at the London Marathon were under suspicion, and she was a medal winner. So, effectively, they're saying, oh, well, there you go, that was you. I'm not surprised she's incandescent. I'm not surprised she's absolutely fuming. You would be. 
somebody accuses you of something that you know, you know, is nothing at all to do with you. I'm not saying that, you know, everybody's whiter than white in the sport. Because in the sporting world, I should imagine there's all sorts of huge problems with, with drugs and people taking all sorts of things. Uh, Justin Fletcher, son of Guy Fletcher, I think is a songwriter, says Jenny. Oh, right. I visited the doctors last week, says Brian. And two days later, felt like death. Why do people pack the waiting rooms for flu and colds every year, spreading their blooming misery to everybody else? Yes, why don't they... I think, are we not advising people now, I think we are, Brian, to say, listen, if you've got a cold, what are you going to the doctors for? Go to the chemist. That's what the chemist is there for. The chemist will say, listen, what have you got? Cold, what sort of cough have you got? Is it a tickly cough? Is it a dry cough? Is it a hacking cough? What sort of cough have you got? And we'll give you the appropriate thing. Are you diabetic? We've got sugar-free. Because I have to always ask for sugar-free if I ever get a cough. And I am prone to getting a few coughs, as you know. But I think, really, you know, why would people go and sit in the blooming waiting room? Or go to A&E. What have you got? Got a, got a sniffle. Or go to, the, go to the chemist. Go and get something. We're not giving you stuff here. Go away. Clogs up the NHS. We don't these people. They're just ridiculous. They're time wasters. And as Brian's pointed out, they don't wash their hands after going to the loo. And then, um, and then people become ill. They go in there. When we were on the ship, the one thing they're very keen to make you do is wash your hands all the time. And people don't. People do not wash their hands all the time. You know, every time you go to the loo, you should wash your hands. Wash your hands. I don't know. Why is it so complicated? We used to have hand wash all over this building. You probably still find some now. And people are made to wash their hands. On the ship, you go in and out of the dining rooms. You put a squirt of hand. They've got somebody standing there. Squirt of hand lotion. Wash your hands. Don't want to spread germs. On a ship, it could be an absolute nightmare, as we've seen in the past. So I think, you know, it's a, it's a good idea. Wash your hands. But, you, but absolutely, I'm right in saying that if you are somebody who is, uh, who's got a cold, please don't go to the doctor. Just go to the chemist. Sure, Miss Mr. Shah at Goods in Twickenham, if you're in that area, would be more than happy to sort you out. Richard and Sarah in Sittingbourne says, um, your comments about Snow White and the seven friends at the De Montfort Hall got us thinking as we regularly get their brochure. It doesn't say friends or dwarfs, just Snow White starring Sherry Hewson. So it would seem that they're trying to be PC all round. I don't, you know me, I hate PC. I hate PC. It's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. You can't just have a show with Snow White. That'd be dead boring. One, did she, what did Snow White sing? Did she sing One Day My Prince Will Come or was that different? I can't remember what, what she sang with... No, that was, that was Cinderella, wasn't it? <laughs> I, get, I get all my characters mixed up. I find, every time I sing that song, let it go, let it go. If you go onto YouTube, there's all the Disney characters all singing a line from it. It's the best thing ever. It puts a big smile on your face. And frankly, at this time of year, with all the depressing stories in the newspapers, the one thing we do need is a smile on our face. So that's why with Her Majesty the Queen on the front page of every paper with a, with a very nice photograph. And uh, the picture is by Mary McCartney, daughter of Paul. So she gets the... I didn't even know she... Is she a photographer? No, she must be. And it's a nice picture of the Queen with her red button. They've explained everything. And it's just another day at the firm for the Queen. She'll be getting up this morning, as per usual. She'll probably have a likely bit of buttered toast. And she'll have a cup of tea. And they do iron the papers at Buckingham Palace. This we know for a fact. And she'll sit down on a very plain... Or she doesn't sit there on, you know, a gold throne... You know, with a gold toaster and stuff like that, which I'm sure children would love to believe. She sits there at a very plain table. They have their breakfast and then she gets on with life. I don't think she sits there in a dressing gown, put it that way, with HR on the back. That would be quite funny, wouldn't it, if the Queen's actually got HR. I like the idea of changing the stamps. The, 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 the producer thought there was something slightly, slightly disturbing about the fact we're changing them to purple. It, because it's royal. 
But, but I, I like the idea. I, I buy loads of stamps because I send loads of letters and stuff like that and cards. And so I sort of I, I buy loads of stamps. So I can't wait to go and buy the purple ones. I think they should be I think they should be purple tinged with gold. You don't think so? Oh, that's quite nice. I'm a little bit more of sort of, you know, looking up to people, I think. Uh, talking of looking up, you don't actually look up to uh, comedian Bobby Ball. Because rock on, Tommy. I remember when they were on the television. <laughs> remember when they were funny. But uh, anyway, um, he hopes to turn church services into comedy heaven. He's been recruited to teach clergymen a sense of humour. And uh, it's hope Bobby, along with stars like impersonator Bentley Browning. Oh? Bentley, who's Bentley Browning, for God's sake? Why have I never heard of these people? Uh, Bentley Browning apparently impersonates David Cameron on TV. Also Don McLean, who presented Good Morning Sunday for 16 years, and it's a Christian resources exhibition. And so loads of people will be there. Bobby was a born-again Christian in 86, and they wrote a book, actually, both of them, Christianity for Beginners, to explain their faith. I'm assuming, same as everybody else's faith, if you're a Christian. And uh, lots of people will be there and they're going to have a course and it's going to liven up sermons. I liked sermons. It was the opportunity to pass round, you know, the buttered sweets. You know, because once, once, and today's sermon is going to be dealing with the cost of, you know, this and the Good Samaritan. You've got all the different Bible stories, which was lovely. But it was an opportunity to get the opal fruits out. <laughs> I always remember at the end of the sermon, they used to start coming round with, uh, with the offertory, the collecting plates. My father, on numerous occasions, put a buttered sweet in there. I'm sure because they used to put it. Some people put money in envelopes. And that was quite funny. Uh, we never did that. We just put, put sorry. We just put sweets in there for the vicar. Coming up to the news at six o'clock, and in the final thirty minutes, the uh, the Snow White dwarves have been given the old heave ho. It's Snow White and her friends. Jamie Oliver shed two stone by eating more than he used to. It's got to be a book, hasn't it? I mean, you don't do, do things like that. Uh, Live and let lie. Doctor No. Sam Smith says yes. I am doing the Bond theme. Lewis Hamilton has laughingly told us he's actually got a stylist because apparently he can't do anything like that. I changed them immediately. It's dreadful. Uh, the identical lotto wins. Oh, I knew I had to do that story. Uh, Channel 4's ambitious new show, which is called Hunted and Strictly Mistaken. You'll like this one. You'll like this one a lot. Well, not a great deal. It's coming up after the news, which is next on LBC. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's five minutes past six. It's Wednesday, the 9th of September. Just another day for Her Majesty the Queen. As of 5.30 this evening, she racks up something really impressive. And she does it with good grace. She never explains. She never complains. She's there for us, and she's been there all these years, and we love her for it. So, uh, a symbol of our enduring spirit. Snow White's dwarves been given a heave-ho up at the De Montfort Halls. It's just... Snow White and Friends. It sounds like a singing group now, I've decided. Pop go the dreams of stardom. Today's kids want proper jobs. Oh, good. Oh, good. I'm quite satisfied with that. Beef dripping is a top gourmet food. And the mum who bought her daughter 12 bags of cocaine for her 18. Oh, dear. Not so good, is it? Channel 4's ambitious new show, Hunted. And uh, Anne Whittacombe's column today talking about the X Factor versus Strictly. It's a phony war, she says. The BBC doesn't need to chase ratings because it doesn't have to attract 
advertisers. They've got the money from us anyway. And so they put on that um, girl group alien who wowed the judges. It's another bunch of freaky people who, you know, really, it's so short-lived. Do they not realise that poor little Ab's Bream or Ab's Love or whatever he was? I felt so sorry that poor old Matthew Wright had to suffer him on the programme the other day. This is Ab's who comes from Enfield, who's developed a Jamaican accent, who's selling one of his awards. He said because, you know, it, it isn't this and it isn't that. He tries to pretend he's going back to the land, but he's selling it for money. It's on e- eBay. I think it's up to about £15,000. I think it's a Brit award and he wants it to buy soil. So quite clearly he's flat broke. And he's got no money coming in whatsoever. So you thought, you know, if he's so keen to go back to the earth and do all these things, you know, because like he's wicked and all this kind of stuff. That's the way he talks. It's the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard in your entire life. And he's not the most intelligent person either. And um, you'd have thought he'd given this thing away. But obviously it's the money side of it. The greed has, has taken over and he wants to buy some soil. Which is good. But he was he was sitting there the other day. I mean, you just look at him. He's, it's barely a brain cell working inside there. It was so terribly tragic. And so my advice is don't ever bother with this this short-lived thing called pop career. Because there's nothing worse than somebody going, Oh, God, didn't you use... Oh, blimey. You've aged badly. Because that's the trouble, isn't it? People People sort of think it's great to be a pop star. But luckily, today's kids are thinking a little bit better than that. And saying, I think I'd need to get a proper job. There is, um... Is a st- you won't like this story. Well, actually, you will like this story. I, I thought it was it was quite funny. Um, there is um, a lady here. The the annual Denby Flower Show in North Wales had expected entrance uh, entrance to arrange flowers around crystal glasses and champagne flutes. They the the brief was simple: design a floral display themed around a British night out. And so Nadine Hanika did. A British night out. And her, her bunch of flowers were crushed. Uh, there was an empty beer bottle, a crushed beer can, leftover chips and a cigarette, some cigarette stubs, which she thought was a British night out. Which, of course, she's not really far wrong, is she? And uh, she even used a takeaway box to hold the flowers. And uh, she was probably inspired by Tracy Emin's £2 million unmade bed. Uh, a woman judge left a firm put-down note saying, a rather messy interpretation, try a rather more pleasing interpretation next time. Mother of two, Mrs. Hanika's lived in Denby for 13 years. I said I created it because it represents a night out for part of the community that can't afford grand celebrations. I'm sorry this arrangement appears to have evoked your disgust, but I tend to walk through life with my eyes and my mind wide open. Denby show secretary Steve Williams said in forgiving mood, traditional is good, but art means anything goes and we should embrace that. It's quite funny, actually. But at the same time, you know, you can imagine the person there going, this isn't what we expected at all. Completely different. Completely different. Uh, is Prince Harry and Chelsea rekindling the uh, romance? Who cares? Who cares? Nobody cares at all. And uh, what did I have here? I saved this one here. I was. It was something to do with, I think it was Daniel Day-Lewis, or was it, oh, Leo Sayer, who says Paul McCartney is responsible for his trademark curly hair, which is good. And um, and mugged Alan. Do you remember little Alan? This is Alan Barnes, 67. He was mugged. And then people put money and, and they bought him a house and he had loads of money left over. But he, he doesn't, he's selling up. He doesn't want to live in the house. It's not, not where he was before and he didn't like it. 330000 they raid, uh, raised for him. And he said he wants to work for, for God. That's what he wants to do. He's had a calling and he said, I want to be linked with a church and do evangelical work. So there you go. Good for him. Good for him. You know, it was a terrible experience. 
and um, and he's he's getting over it. But he's decided he doesn't want to live in this house. He was never comfy there. It, you know, it wasn't. It was lovely that people people helped him out, but not really the right thing. Uh, Queen Elizabeth, a symbol of Britain's enduring spirit. They're going to change all the stamps for purple, which I think is quite nice. I still think purple and gold would be quite nice. Would that be a good idea? Front page of the Express is the Queen. Thank you, ma'am. Rhymes with jam. Okay. And there's a pullout to mark her 63-year reign. Uh, The Mail today, just another day at the firm for our record-breaking Queen. And uh, a six-foot blunder, or six feet under blunder. The escapologist buried alive nearly dies in a stunt even Houdini couldn't mask. Which reminds me, I do have a show at the Magic Circle on New Year's Day. Details on the Magic Circle website. Um, what else do we have in the papers for today? The uh, the panto goes all the way through. The MPs shaming the charity chiefs exposed by the mail. The disgusting habits that many of these charities have at uh, targeting the vulnerable, the weak, and people who are too old to understand what's going on. Alan Titchmarsh is lamenting the demise of hanging baskets. Not my hanging baskets, Alan. I love them. But he says we should have more hanging baskets up. I agree. I think there should be all year round hanging baskets. Somebody should capitalise on this at, at coming up Christmas. Paul Cooper could probably arrange something like that. Although he does think that if I did a This Is Your Life, it would be very, very interesting. He said it would be. Yet yeah, You can imagine, can't you? Steve Allen's This Is Your Life. Hello, Steve. <laughs> and uh, Kirsty Gallagher, what's she done now? Well, if you're, they say, if one is an, an obscure sports TV presenter with a contest to win, how do you get publicity for yourself? Well, Kirsty Gallagher and, uh, has decided to go start naked for a woman's magazine. I don't quite understand. You know, if I was trying to get publicity for my programme, the last thing I'd be doing, and believe you me, you should be grateful, is going naked. I can't think of anything worse. Absolutely anything worse. Uh, Jamie Oliver, he shed two stone by eating more than he used to. What he used to use um, as, as food was anything white. Cheese toasties, apparently, are his favourite. Cheese toast. how lovely. And he did get... A little bit bloated. He's now looking uh, quite thin. He did struggle with picking at food, as other people asked him about recipes. He liked to fry his food in breadcrumbs. He used to exercise twice a week. Anyway, what he what he's done now? He also drank alcohol during the week. Ate meals which featured meat heavily. Uh, slept for only three hours a night from two to five. Obviously, a regular spiker on this program. Anyway, now he's switched to brown food with more complex carbohydrates to keep him feeling full for longer. Where's a bangle that tracks his... Oh, is is he publicising a bangle? I'm trying to look for the PR thing in here. Eats vegan and vegetarian meals two or three times a week. Eats more seaweed, nuts and eggs. Drinks alcohol only at weekends. And sleeps seven hours a night from ten to... Still gets up at five. That's good. I think you don't want to waste the day, do you? I think five is is uh, is absolutely brilliant. Here's the stupidest woman in the world, next to the woman with the uh, the 13-year-old daughter. This is uh, Nicola Austin, who bought £300 worth of cocaine as a birthday present for her daughter's 18th, has been spared jail. She booked a limousine, bought 12 bags of the Class A drug to make sure she had a good time. She's 37, but quite clearly thick as a brick. And uh, she admitted she was planning to take the cocaine with her college student daughter on a night of wild celebrations in London. She was arrested when the drugs were found hidden at her three-bedroom house in Tunbridge Wells. She admitted possessing cocaine with intent to supply, and she was only given a nine-month suspended sentence. Well, I have to hold my hands up on this one. I wouldn't have the faintest idea where to go to go and buy cocaine. If somebody said to me, can you go out and get 12 bags of cocaine? I go, um, from where? 
she quite clearly knew. Speaking from her terraced house, she showed little little remorse, as you can tell, looking at her. She's fat and bloated, and uh, she says, I've had enough of it. It isn't exactly the scoop of the century. It was a party. Well, now you realise how thick you are, don't you? Now you realise, Nicola Austin, just what a dimbo you must be. Apparently she got raided. I wonder who, who snitched on her. Somebody must have snitched on her. She wanted to make sure they had... I mean, bearing in mind, she does have six previous convictions. So, not exactly a stranger to the court systems, are you, Nicola Austin? She arrived at the hearing with a packed bag, expecting to be jailed. What a shame you weren't. And uh, anyway, she got 250 hours onerous unpaid work imposed. Uh, apparently Danny Moore defending had argued there'd be an adverse effect on a boy in the family um, was jailed. What, what? Your mother goes out and gets cocaine for you. She's got six previous. God blimey. Shouldn't imagine, any, in fact, anything to take him away from the family would be quite a good idea. And um, they say here she lives with a husband and son and then... Uh, somebody next door says the house had been raided several times. She's quite clearly as thick as... A... Oh, it's nothing very special. Well, now you're all over the papers, aren't you, love? Now we can all see what a big mug you are. It's quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Bad news. Sorry, bad news this morning, ladies and gentlemen. If you're a Tesco club card holder, uh, at the moment, you earn one point for each £4 spent. OK? So you've got to spend £4, you get one one point, uh, but from December you've got to spend eight pounds to get one point. So that boo, boo. Mind you, Royal Bank of Scotland are cutting back as well. I told you that they uh, they have a scheme. If you spend money on their Mastercard thing, you get points. And I've got something like fifty thousand points, and they're worth uh, prizes. You can sort of redeem them for whatever it is, hamper or something. I can't remember what it is. There's a whole load of things, and I've got to do it by October because they're stopping the scheme. So I'm not doing very well at all, so I shall have to sort that one out over the next few days. Um, I was checking uh, earlier on whatever he was talking about. Somebody said to me, as Twickenham ambassador to the UK, Steve Allen show, aren't you surprised that Twickenham station does not have a lift, given the number of tourist visitors? Yeah, I am surprised. They've got a lift in Richmond, but we don't, we don't have a lift. I'll have a word with Brian about that. Perhaps he can build one for us. But uh, I, think it's, I think it's unlikely. I think it's unlikely. <laughs> That we're going to get a lift. You'd have thought we would have done, wouldn't you, really? Uh, the Mirror, Paula Drugs Cheat Bombshell. Star Forster and I claim she's part of a doping scandal. Let's say she's, she's furious, as you can well imagine. You can well imagine. Anybody would be exactly the, uh, the same. Uh, Danny uh, Dyer apologising to Mary Berry. And did you notice that they launched a new iPhone the other day? That must be the only time Apple have launched something where it didn't get any coverage. Hardly any coverage in the newspapers. Normally, it's all razzmatazz and people queuing up and doing all sorts of things. Uh, more uh, outbursts of fury as the uh, lion killer Cecil finally leaves hiding. Uh, Snow White and the seven politically correct friends, because dwarfs are banned from the pantomime. I think it's a, I think it's a financial thing. I think they've obviously decided that they're not going to waste money on dwarfs. You can just stick in kids and we'll just call them friends because they're not dwarfs. They're just children. They haven't just grown up. As yet. Other stories, the living wage to blame for the rise in cost of your coffee, says the boss who gets £359 an hour. An hour, ladies and gentlemen. Start working that one out. Uh, the dentist we did earlier on. Another picture of the uh, this fat, bloated creature who bought cocaine for her daughter's 18th birthday. Uh, Nicola Austin. I mean, fancy having a daughter and your mother's got six previous convictions. Look at the size of it. Dear God, honestly, Moby Dick would be thrilled or not, as the case may be. Cannons and balls. And that's because uh, Bobby Ball wants to make sermons more interesting. 
See, I don't think I don't think anybody's ever complained about sermons before, have they? Uh, in the uh, sun for today, uh, Rihanna. Very odd outfits, these. But where do they get some of these uh, these outfits from? <laughs> They're certainly very strange. Kids of six and seven, according to the Sun, are being quizzed over phone sexed pictures. Good grief. It just gets from bad to worse, doesn't it, really? Um, also, what was this one here? Oh, yes, former <coughs> five boy band star, Abs Love. I mean, really, as I say, I mean, the man's a sad reflection. Lived in Wales. The vegan ex-rapper now grows vegetables. And he's, uh, he's getting rid of his best pop act, Brit Award. He says, I need money. I need to get my vegetable game on. Get my vegetables game. What is he talking about? Does he mean growing vegetables? Can we just teach him the basics? He apparently has had eBay bids up to 15 grand. Because, you know, I want game on for my vegetables. Lovely. I mean, as I say, watching Matthew Wright struggling with him the other day, I felt immensely sorry. Uh, also, the Cray twins lived like lords in jail and were lauded by celebrities, according to this uh, bloke who's dubbed himself Britain's most violent prisoner. This is Charles Bronson, not his real name. And so that's really not very exciting at all. Jane Moore's column, always good. She says, One, di- one Direction's Harry has got me under his spell. Uh, the dreariest twosome, Millie the Boar Macintosh and Professor Green. Oh, God, honestly, people who give themselves ludicrous names uh, on that snap yesterday of his feet on her breasts. That apparently gets you double page spread. And they've had therapy to save their marriage. God, they've been married a short time, haven't they? It's a little bit embarrassing for them. Uh, Victoria Beckham, with the hair back on again, so I'm assuming he just sort of sticks it on and takes it off again, uh, wearing a, a sort of a trouser suit. Nothing very clever about it. Uh, here's a picture of Lewis Hamilton, sort of bare-chested, bare but with a rather peculiar outfit. I mean, does, does he own these, or does somebody rent them to him? Some of them, he really is one of the worst-dressed people I've ever seen. It's ghastly. And here's the story. I didn't believe this was ever possible. This is a woman who won a lottery nine years, nine years after her late dad scooped the jackpot with the same numbers. This uh, Elizabeth Cooper netted 5,400 in the Kent, Surrey and Sussex air ambulance draw, picking family's birthdays. Her father, George, won it in 2006. Admin Clark Elizabeth from Dover says they say lightning never strikes twice, but anything can happen. I think that's amazing. I've never heard of that before. Never heard of that at all. Two crop circle enthusiasts. I'm not sure if they're people who are making crop circles. Because, you know, people make... I have to explain this to people listening. People do make crop circles. They ended up being a bust up because one had a low-flying drone. I've always wanted one of these big low-flying drones. I don't know what I'd do with it. I can't think of anything I'd do with it. But I'm just always amazed at them. And then you can have a look at the, the new Channel 4 fugitive show. It's, um, it, it's an ambitious new show called Hunted. And what they do is they have to disappear completely for five weeks. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. I wish they'd do that, actually, for the uh, for the celebrity Big Brother. That'd be very exciting, wouldn't it? And Strictly Come Dancing. God, we could lose Peter Andre immediately. Definitely. Or at least Ainsley Harriet. Actually, if both of them go, that'd be a bit of, a, bit of an achievement. The bloke who's in the bill has been the latest evictee from Celebrity Big Brother, mainly because he just didn't actually contribute anything to the programme at all. Don't forget, you can listen to LBC whenever and wherever you like by downloading the LBC app. It means that wherever you go in the world, you can hear the programmes. You don't have to miss anything, get withdrawal symptoms. I get people writing in going, oh, it's been dreadful. Blue in West Texas uh, always drops us a line and says, you're the best when you're happy and pleased. I was happy and pleased yesterday, if not a little bit tired, and a big fan of the... Uh, a big fan, big, big fan of the royal family, which I think many people are. Ernie's just signed up to LBC. 
testing the emails, well, you can test them all you like, because uh, that's what we're here for. Uh, thank you very much indeed. If you missed any of today's show, the LBC podcast app is for you. It's available for iPhones and now Android phones as well. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning between 4 and 6.30. Light day today. Just going to collect the shirts. DHL, look out. Here I come. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Steve Allen Show. Seven o'clock this morning, it's Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Don't forget Margaret Rhodes, who wrote that book about the Queen Mother. Fabulous book. We'll be joining Nick as well. But next, it's Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LBC.